the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside Not Silent Ed. What's up? Not a whole lot. I, uh... I, I, it's funny how you called me out. You're like, you're eating again. I'm like, yeah, it's a Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the same ones from that show? Yeah. We've just slowly been eating, like, s'mores Pop-Tarts. Man, but if like... you got to hook up on s'more, just send them my way. My kids will eat them. Well, we're almost done. It's just like, I'll probably never eat s'mores, s'mores Pop-Tarts after this. How many I've eaten? I, I was hoping it'd be a variety pack. Anyway, so. The hot fudge sundae or the money, at least in I've my never, opinion. You know, the gr- I never tried those. The grossest ones that ever made were the peanut butter chocolate ones. They're fucking disgusting. I never tried those. I don't think they make them anymore because they suck ass that bad. I've been having a problem finding the hot fudge sundaes anymore. Yeah, well. Like, I look for them. There's like an empty space every time I go to the store. It even says it on the tag what they are, but they're never there. Apparently, it is a hot commodity. So I have a I have a rant since it's rant time. I think that <clears throat> recently seen a video in a band page, and I'm like, uh, mind you, the band doesn't do much, but somehow their video got like a shitload of views, like within a couple days. And then upon reading comments, it's like, oh, it's like a lot of foreign people on there. I like, I guess that's still a thing that people can buy like views and comments and shares, which makes me wonder why people do that why bands do that like i don't know how like i mean like i know like a lot of companies kind of look out for that stuff like to see if the bands like got some streaming and it's busy but like if you're not really doing anything with it other than buying you know likes and shares basically buying the media what is the point of that and i wonder yeah I didn't want to interrupt, but like, how do people go about doing that? Like, and then why? I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's you're just cheating yourself. It's like, uh, as my friend once told me, like, I wonder if it's imposter syndrome. 
that people go through when they just like want to be better than they really aren't. My, <laughs> I guess, and I've had someone that did this like 10 or so years ago when we were trying to start a new band. Yeah. The guy was playing guitar and like he made a page like we don't even have fucking music or anything. Why do we make it a Facebook page? And all of a sudden we had like over a thousand Facebook fans or likes or whatever. And just more and more. And they're all like, kind of like what you said, they're all like spam stuff. I was like, what the fuck? And I ended up deleting the page because I didn't want it to be like overran by bullshit. I just told the dude, I was like, look, we're going to make a new one and get rid of this one. And then the band never did anything anyways. So <laughs> I don't really... I didn't want to be associated with a bunch of spam stuff. It's kind of embarrassing. Like, why would you want to fake having people like your stuff? I'd rather know that people don't like my stuff than try and pretend to be something that it's not. Right. I mean, we're my band page, and as, as humble as it is, like, we're up to, like, 13 or 1,500 people that like the page. And, like, that's a lot. Well, I mean, it's not a lot, but we're not, we're nothing special, but like we kind of earn those. I mean, we didn't like, like, hey, I, well, I don't know how many of the members like actually made people just like forced to like it as band people do, but like, you know, they actually probably had to send it to a real person for them to just like randomly like it. So, and I've, you know, once in a while I do a band, please like my page thing just, just because. And, on top of that, like I make the videos, you know, I've directed them and, and for like somebody to fake that, I don't know. That's kind of insulting to like somebody like me who put in the work and shared it and without any other outside source aside from a little bit of promotion, but yeah. I didn't even pay for, uh, this time around. I didn't even actually pay Facebook for any promotion. So it probably didn't do as good, but then, in the end, did it matter? Not really. It was fun to do, but it's not like we reached another level. It's just, I don't know. It's just how you, <laughs> it's how basically like how you're kind of proud of doing something. And then there it is. Okay, cool. On to the next thing. I so, paid promotion when we first launched this podcast and it did nothing at all. Right. We didn't gain any new followers. We didn't gain any new like subscribers or any likes on the page or anything. And they charged me like 30 fucking dollars for the five days that it ran. And supposedly like 15,000 people saw the ad. I was like, bullshit. I don't know. Like that's bullshit. They can sit there and claim that anyone saw this and who the fuck. It maybe did pop up and someone scrolled past it, but you can't count that. That's fucking bullshit. Right. Like, what are you really paying for? I mean, you know, I was telling you the other day, like, fuck this music stuff, because I literally got, like, thousands of people viewing my video for being a death metal safety video, and I didn't do anything other <laughs> than it's funny, and people would just rather watch, like, an under, basically, under a one-minute clip is good enough for anybody. If it's longer than that, they tune out. So it's like, man, I'll just make, like, one-minute songs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no so, one wants to take the time to actually listen to something, but if it's amusing and funny, they're going to be right all about it. Yeah, that's, and that, I guess I've grave out the secret then. But yeah, <laughs> it, it just still it's just but basically the whole conversation it kind of it's a little messed up to fake 
things like that. It's not, it's not true to yourself. I don't know why you would. I maybe, don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe we can ask the opinion of our guest here coming up. Sure. What they think about it. Sure. What do you guys think out there? Let us know. Send us a message on Facebook. Email us. Let us know that we suck and you hate us. And I suck. Completely randomness, but Seth Brundle is flying around in my basement right now, so I have to <laughs> make sure to stop that. You guys can try and figure out what I'm referring to. <laughs> That's actually funny. Do you catch the reference? I did, but like uh. it's, the, it's still the funniest name ever. Uh. Sounds like something in my pants. I Seth Brundled. <laughs> go to the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, anyone out there listening, if you want to be on Dark Side of the Scene, send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com. We'll get you scheduled. We made an announcement, not that by the time this airs, the announcement should already be live, but we're going to start releasing two episodes a week. Dos! Just because you guys love us so much, you just can't get enough of this awesome content we put out for you. Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, we're just trying to uh, help get the stuff out quicker, help the bands out as they release music that they want out there. And it's like, yeah, we'll release a song for you, but it's going to be out in like six months. So we're just trying to speed things up a little bit, help people out. And we're going to throw this on here just for the sake of it. Getgigs.com. We think it's going to be a game changer. If you haven't uh, looked into it yet, we definitely recommend doing so, especially if your band trying to trade shows or playing tours. It's definitely worth checking out. Setting up a free account, you don't have to pay for anything. It could be the bee's knees. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Yeah. But yeah, we've got a guest in the wings, so we're going to invite him on in. So hang tight. We'd like to take this time to welcome Michael to the show, coming out and talking to Ed and I tonight. What's up? How's it going? Michael. Hello. Have you guys ever played like? moonwalker the arcade game and all those kids are like that's what they say they cry they go michael michael for to save them no never mind no but uh every time uh at work now they've uh they've got it down to the point that i don't know if you guys have seen the office but every time somebody calls for me at the uh at the warehouse they always scream michael like uh like how they do at the uh apparently how that's how they refer to him on the office but i've never really watched it so i can't confirm or deny michael scott michael scott yeah he's mid made famous for saying that's what she said oh well that's what yeah. she said yeah. yeah that's pretty famous yep that's so uh, famous. you play in flesh four i've played a few shows with you guys yeah and those were uh those were good shows and um I know one that we were supposed to play on, and I think that was at the uh, the Citadel before that before that place ended up uh, not being a place anymore. Unfortunately, that place is actually a uh, I think it's a truck parking lot now. <laughs> they train for CDLs there, I think. Something like that, and then you get to go bowling once the uh, once your CDLs once you get your CDL. One of our first guests renamed it the Citadel. It's kind of a shame, really. I think they were really banking on the um, 
on having liquor there and and having food there because it was the same guys that owned the Emerson or some of the same guys that ran the Emerson. And I think all they could get over there for a while was a, was just a beer license to just to serve beer. And then, <laughs> and then once the Citadel lost their, uh, excuse me, once the Citadel lost their uh, chances of getting the liquor license, like most of that facility was just useless. Like we played that show that you get that, uh, you guys were supposed to be on and uh, like all they had to serve was like lukewarm monsters and potato <laughs> chips. Hmm. I was really upset about not being able to play that show. Dude, it was it was weird because uh, so we had gotten <clears throat> back from to, from our uh, East Coast uh, run there and 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 we I think we had to sit outside for a while because uh, Black Black Crown Initiate or I think one of the other bands uh, that was supposed to be doing sound check at that or like before load in had uh, ended up showing up late which it's it that's no big deal because that happens sometimes but um but uh they they rushed us to get on to get on stage and get sound checked and everything but even though we still had like an hour before doors and the show was supposed to start and then um but everything took a while i remember everything taking a while and then they opened up doors while we were finishing up sound check and then uh and we're and we're sitting there thinking, oh, thank goodness, we got 15 minutes left. We can, uh, or before the show is actually supposed to start, we can go uh, cool off real quick and then come back. And then the whoever was running sound at the time goes on the uh, the talk back mic and said, "All right, you guys can start." And we we're just like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we we're just like, "But it's 15 minutes early, and people are still going in through the door." And they were like, "Okay, but but you should still start because this show is supposed to start now." And I was like, "But the event page says seven o'clock." Uh. And uh, so we we played the set that we uh, we played our set, and then uh, and then as we're uh, tearing getting ready to start tearing down, the guy goes back onto the talk back and says, uh, "You guys, you get you guys do have 15 more minutes." And and we we're just like, "Wonder why." <laughs> wow wonder why man sometimes i don't want to say this but sometimes those kind of sound guys deserve a punch in the stomach i um for being unprofessional as fuck like you got to schedule fucking keep it you know you don't make the rules sound guy (laughs) it's always weird because when i when i play or when i attend shows at the emerson as well i've always noticed that like the so there's a flyer for the there's ends up being a flyer for the show the the show will say uh, or the flyer will have one time on it and then when you go and buy your your ticket from the from the band or on the website or wherever you want to go on there there's also a um like there there's a different time on there oh and yeah. then when you uh, when you get when you get to the Emerson to get in line there apparently doors are a different time from that. And it kind of just and everyone's just thrown off because nobody knows what time to get there or what or anything. Because I don't like standing in line like that, especially if it's freezing cold or piss raining out. Right. But um, they they tried their they tried their best over there. I I knew some of the uh, the staff over there quite well, but um, it kind of it was kind of uh, like I think they always just kind of toss the like ownership over to someone else whoever's willing to take it and then they try to do a lot of projects in the in the facility and then they all just become uncompleted because they tried doing too many things at once Hmm. yeah because uh i don't know if you guys remember if you 
the like that first room that's to the right as soon as you walk in which was supposed to be like a green room or something they were going to change that over to the uh to the new men's bathroom and i think and the last i remember they were like halfway done with that before i think they were probably if 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 that but uh I don't remember there ever actually being a good men's bathroom in there. Sometimes the the, uh, the bathroom stall door was kicked down, so you had to uh, you had to do your business in, in front of everybody. Nope, nope. I'd be I'd get stage fright and I'd fucking hold it in. I don't care, dude. I'll, I'll <laughs> walk over to that McDonald's or I'll just go into the alleyway. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Every time I played at the Emerson, when I'd go in there and take a piss, there'd always be little roaches coming out from underneath the urinal <laughs> pad. No shit. I never did get. I've never been to the Citadel, so I don't know much about it. I don't. It wasn't even open for that long, was it? I don't even think for like a year. But they they had two stages, kind of like how uh, Pierre's does, where they have the small room and the big room. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and I I went to a couple shows that uh that were at both. I saw uh Rivers and Nile there when they were still doing the uh the Owls tour, and Lorna Shore was opening up for them, and and. I think one band. I think one of the uh, support bands on the tour dropped or had to drop out that day for a for an emergency. So, um, so I think the show is supposed to start till at, at seven. But since there's only two bands on the lineup, they made everybody wait till eight. Uh, like because I I don't know how tour scheduling or like how real tour scheduling goes like that. Uh, so I've I've played some shows where they say yeah the band or the band has to be on stage at this time and they have to be off stage at this time and i'm just like that's kind of it's kind of strange but but uh you're the boss i'm just here to i'm just here to to play yeah. uh, so how long has your band been together the flesh Bore has been around since uh 2017 i nice. um i i don't know if you or brandon might remember another other local band from indianapolis called into the divine that was uh that was my first band in in the scene and i actually had a, a bit more problem i think what i noticed is that like i had a lot of problems handling with people in the local scene when i was an into the divine versus playing in Fleshboard now and now all those problems kind of just uh, stem outward um <laughs> i was actually i was when I was doing my research uh, to be on the podcast, I was uh, I was listening to some of the other guys on there. I was I listened to Corey's uh, episode in particular, and he mentioned another promoter that I had some uh, that I had some problems with uh, a few years ago in that old band into the vine, and uh, he said that he knew him from from promoting shows in Portage. I remember him specifically promoting shows in Valparaiso and Kokomo. Mm. I don't know if. Uh, if you guys remembered the center stage bar and grill in Kokomo, Brandon, yes. Brandon might probably yeah. know more than I do, but, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, that, and I, and I have a, I also looked through my, my fucking images just to make sure I had this and it wasn't a fever dream, but, uh, <laughs> we, we opened up for vital remains and veil and Noth before they had the, uh, the crazy square logo and started doing the black, the more black metal sound. <laughs> and, uh, and uh we're, we're gonna call everybody here billy so billy uh, <laughs> so so uh so billy got me emailed me the pre-sales and he was like yeah sell your pre-sales give me 200 bucks when you uh when you load in on uh, on the day of the show um 
and I'm not shooting you here. I, I, I have it up right now. Um, cause, uh, and I've never had this problem before, but he sends like a PDF, like some, some promoters, when they want you to sell tickets, they'll, they'll send you a PDF just to print out at, at your local FedEx or your local staples and they sell them that way. But, uh, this PDF is so fucking pixelated <laughs> and, and, uh, and you can barely, like if it if it was any more pixelated, like you can barely tell that it said "vital remains" in big bold letters. But if it was any more pixelated, um, like you wouldn't have been able to tell. And there's another band I think from up more further north. Uh, I don't know if they're still around anymore. The Omnis Omniscient. Oh, they moved. The yeah, they moved to like Arizona or something. But damn. Yeah. But huh. uh, that was the first time I met them. And uh, they were playing, and they opened that show too. I when I talked to them, they said they didn't uh, they didn't contact Billy to try to get other tickets. They uh, they just blew them up and tried printing them out. And when they talked to their fans, they said, "Hey, um, I know this doesn't look like a ticket to an event, so if you don't buy it, it's no big deal." But mm -hmm. uh, but I shot Billy a message on Facebook and said, "Hey, I you cannot even fucking tell that these look like concert tickets." And I'm not going to try to sell these to people. So you need to get me more tick. You need to get me a real PDF file. And he was like, all right, gotcha. <laughs> and then that's the last. And then I didn't hear from him for two or three more weeks. However long that was, that was like six, seven, eight years ago. But um, I never heard back from him. Um, day of the show came. I uh, Kokomo is about an hour from where, from where I live. And I... And, uh, and I was, I think I was like 19. I think I just got my first car, which was like a 91 Cavalier that the, uh, that the seatbelt didn't really work properly on. And only one, uh, speaker actually worked in, in the car. So, and we were all kids in high school. So, so needless to say, it's, it's already a pain in the ass to get up to Kokomo to play a show anyway. Mm. And, uh, and I get there and the, uh, the door guy, I think he was the bar owner or the owner of center stage. I can't even remember he was he was real cool though those guys were all real nice up there but um but uh he asked me for the money and i explained to him the situation which was billy didn't get me the uh the tickets and he was like well i i hate to say it but you're gonna have to call him and talk to him because he because he told me that i gotta go up to all, all the opening locals and uh and get the 200 bucks uh from him and it was one of those things where it was uh where it was you had to sell all your pre-sale tickets but and whichever ones you didn't uh sell you had to fork out the money uh, out of your own pocket fuck that yeah and uh and i don't <laughs> have a i don't have a problem with selling pre-sales and i play, right. i've played so right. many shows at the emerson like my my definition of pay to play is a little bit different from everyone else's right i i don't i don't even think of pay to play as like if i sold tickets and then i handed the promoter money and none of that money came out of my own wallet that that's not a loss to me i guess right. yeah that's that's good and like some places will give you a percentage or some places will give you a percentage after like you sell sir many i can deal with that but like what you're saying uh anyway sorry no you're fine to an extent i i look at it as like pulling your own weight because i've i've played shows with bands around here where they they don't even like let anybody know they're playing the show until the week of or even the day of the show Oh. And, and it always pissed me off because they would somehow still have a huge crowd, even though they did that. And I'm just like, and then here, here, here you and I are busting our ass to try to get as yeah. many people as yeah. possible. But, um, 
but yeah, so I call I called Billy or I messaged Billy and I was like, Hey, I'm being told that I got to give this guy 200 bucks for tickets that I never got from you. And then he called me and he was, and he told me, um, slightly paraphrased. He was like, I, I emailed you the tickets and I sent you a message on Facebook to let you know, I emailed the tick emailed you the tickets and you never responded to me. So I just assumed that you got them and never, uh, and, and that was that. And I was like, well, you should have probably confirmed that I actually got the tickets because I never got a Facebook message from you, nor an email. Huh? And, and I asked him for like the date of the email and everything. So I can scroll through spam and whatnot, but, but nothing was ever there. And, uh, hmm. and after I got off the phone with them, he, I think there was a couple other local bands that dropped. I think it was us omniscient, uh, Vale and Nath and Vile remains on a Wednesday and uh billy called the bar or called the door guy and was like you need to kick this band off the show right now they can't they can't be playing uh they're not playing tonight and the, <laughs> and the dude was like what the hell are you talking about i'm not going to kick a band and he's doing the he's doing this on the phone in front of a line full of people and and everyone's just hearing the conversation happen on the on the phone and they're hearing wait why why are, is a band getting kicked off the bill on the day of the show and they're asking me well, what happened and i'm like well we were told we can't play the show because we didn't sell these tickets that uh they didn't that we were never provide really provided and uh, and some people were like if that if you guys are getting kicked off we're we're just gonna go home oh. and and uh, and all these people were saying that in front of the bar owner and uh or the door guy and he's and he was telling billy on the phone yeah i'm i'm not kicking these guys off i'm not gonna have a three-band show on a on a wednesday this is fucked up you need to get your shit together billy wow <laughs> the, so we played the show it was it was a blast i think i felt good and everyone had a good time um i i think that i think those guys tried to run my name through the dirt a little bit i can't quite remember I remember there was a Facebook post that was kind of in regards to uh, kind of in regards to what was going on with that situation. I was in the comment section kind of being an 18 year old dick ass at the time. Hmm. But um, but uh, the other the other promoter, his name is also going to be Billy. Because uh, is um, well, while Corey said he never had a problem with them, like which is absolutely fine, I, I would probably meet the guy at some point and let him either beat my ass or buy or we buy each other a beer or something but he was going onto that facebook page and and saying oh this no name band from from indianapolis is trying to drag us through the dirt and but they couldn't even draw a crowd or sell their tickets and i i, I was just being a dick ass i i didn't even care <laughs> i think everyone was just giving them shit for doing the pay to play thing and i was uh and i was just rolling in the in the drama I'm gonna, I won't name his whole name, but uh, was the company last part of it something core? No, but that's another guy that I that I uh, try to play a couple shows with. But he his, his thing was he would make you sign a contract beforehand. He didn't do that to us, but the guitar player we had ended up paying him for all these tickets. And he said he sold 25 tickets and not a single person. They supposedly sold to showed up. I was like, dude, did you really just pay for us to play the show on a friggin' Tuesday? And there was no <laughs> one there. And they were with bands. I never even really heard of like, they weren't 
like super big popular bands. I don't know why we had to sell all these <clears> tickets. And I didn't agree to play that show as like something that I wanted to set up. This was just like the first show for this band that we were doing like 10 years ago. And Ed and I talked about this earlier. He'll probably ask you here a little bit, but the guy made a Facebook page and he put us all as admins, but he had like spam bots. He like paid for likes and stuff. I don't know why anyone would do that. And, uh, this was like the first show we were playing as that band. And then after that show, we all just kind of never did anything again. We're like, dude, this is embarrassing. And I was like, I deleted the Facebook page because I was like, I don't want to be associated. Everything was just like spam bots and everything. I was like, we look like way unprofessional idiots. And that was the end of that little project. But no, that the dude that booked that was something core. And Devin, who used to, who was in TMD with us, the guitar player, that dude, he tried to get, I forget what the band, who the big band was, but he tried to go after them. And apparently he told him if he ever found him a person, he was going to beat the shit out of him. So it was over because they didn't sell enough tickets or whatever. And they didn't pay him for the money for the tickets and everything. There's a whole bunch of drama. So I don't know what it is with promoters around here thinking that band should pay them for every single ticket. I, even if you don't sell I don't them even not. know if like it's a thing anymore because like what he was saying is like, dragging a band into the mud it's not ever been good for a scene and now that like the scenes are what they are which is either like thriving or shit or non-existent it's almost like they're biting themselves on the ass for being that way i would hope i don't, I don't think know. these guys do promotions anymore at least that dude does it and the guy but, that i that i almost got in a fight with like 15 years ago up in fort wayne he doesn't do shit anymore either Right. I think uh, I think the two gentlemen that was bringing shows to Kokomo and Portage and Valparaiso, Bill, Billy number one, I, I know that he stopped promoting and then he's tr he tried ripping people off on like Funko groups. That's the main thing I remember. The other main thing I remember him doing, I think Billy, too, I think he does more promotion on the uh, the northwest side. And um, but from I think he I think when all that shit happened with Billy one, when everyone called him out and uh was was dragging his name uh through the dirt he kind of washed his hands clean because he's like and he was like look i uh i worked with this guy for years and um and i kind of just let him like he, he took accountability so it makes me give him a little bit more respect on that because mm. he was like hey I, I worked with a guy that was fucking people over and once i finally realized what the what real damage that was i i'm washing my hands from it now and uh, which was cool because because some people could just be like, oh, I had nothing to do with that whatsoever. I was just there or or it's, it's like being a it's like being the driveway guy at, at, in a bank robbery. It's like, oh, I was just sitting in the car. Yeah, but you still assisted with the uh, with the bank robbery. <laughs> but um, but the uh, but yeah, the core core guy, he was another uh, pay to play promoter up in Kokomo. But I remember him particularly because he uh, he was trying to get people to sign contracts that would say we would sell X amount of tickets and then whatever we don't sell out of those X amount of tickets, we pay you back in. And uh, and he was trying to get us on a show with a GN from Evansville on, a, on another Wednesday. And he, <laughs> he was like, I need you to confirm to me and sign this contract as whether or not first I think it was 30 tickets he wanted me to sell. And I said, and, and I said, no. And then he brought it down to 20 and I was like, dude, I could probably guarantee you maybe 10 at most, because you got to understand we're like nine, eight, we're in high school. We, we can't even drive ourselves to these shows quite yet. 
and uh and I, then I think he canceled the the show altogether because of poor ticket sales. And then uh, what was sorry? What was the main band? Aegean. Aegean. Just a. I never heard uh, of him. <laughs> it looks like a legion, like the way it's spelled. I think. Oh, like not, the the bigger band. Yeah. Not that one. It's a oh. it's a band from Evansville. It was oh, spelled, that's uh, what you said. But I'm like. Alien, but they're not from here. But okay, yeah. Uh, Never mind. A E G A E O N, I believe. The, okay. the main thing I remember is that they had the vocalist Julian, who did a, like a bunch of touring for the Faceless, like over the last ten years. I don't even think he tours in the Faceless anymore. But huh. that was yeah. like cool Easter egg for my for my nerd. Everybody's list. been in the Faceless. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why the Zenith Passage is going to be doing so well with Metal Blade Records is because the the half the selling point of that is that three there's three quarter there's three members that used to be in the Faceless in the band and it's not yeah. and none of them are Michael Keane. Right. They're so, like the Faceless so, without a drug problem. But <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. He's he's probably better now, but he I'm really hoping screwed, he's better. He really screwed something up, but anyway, sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah, and, and it's even funny because when you when you bring it back to the uh, to the guy that used to bring a lot of those uh, big metal shows to the Emerson and the Citadel, like like I never really had a problem with him in either Into the Divine or Flesh Bore. Like if I if he, he if when I would email him for a show, he would he would be like, "Hey, I need each band to sell at least twenty tickets to the show," and I'd be like, "Yeah," and then sometimes we would do it, and then sometimes we wouldn't. Uh, the times we wouldn't he, like they never asked us to pay anything out of pocket they just the, it was just the next time i contacted them to play a show like they would just blow me off and then mm-hmm. maybe like three or four months later if another show came by i'd hit him up again and say hey can we play this i can guarantee you x amount of tickets and he'll be like yeah sure but um but even since then like with flesh for all the all the shows i ever played at the emerson there we never really had a problem selling the tickets and i've never and so other bands had had problems with them before which i'm not entirely like i've seen some of the horror stories where like i think they were being picky and choosy or trying to play favorites or something but uh he he's got a kind of a bad rep here i think half of it's because of the fact he pulled all the shows to the emerson but i met him when i went on tour with rose funeral last week because he does he does a promotion mainly up in chicago as well and he's actually pretty pretty nice and from what from what I've heard, he's a little bit he's a bit more beloved up in the Chicago scene. But I, I think that helps when your whole staff isn't really trying to uh I think it helps when you have a staff that works with you and you're working in a venue that is actually up the street from you versus a venue that's four hours away from your home. Hmm. Is that uh, the guy that we called Mr. C? Yes. Yeah. I never had an issue with him personally because I never met him. I just had emails back and forth and then he sent us tickets for an oceano show i believe that's what it was and then we weren't on the flyer and then we had to sell so many tickets supposedly before we could get added to the show i was like i'm not selling tickets for a show that i'm not even added to yet yeah that's strange i've even seen <laughs> i've been seen another thing another circumstances i remember uh when obscura came by here a year or so ago and uh i, I i'm not gonna I'm not going to name bands, uh, even if they're my friends, just because I, or in this case, I'm not, because it's kind of like a bad story that kind of ended up sucking for them anyway. But they had confirmed that they were going to open up for Obscura on that show. And um, 
And then when the flyer fi- eventually got put out, their logo was just completely removed and it was replaced with another band. Sure. And they were, and they weren't even notified that they weren't even on the show anymore. And uh, which, which really sucks, but um, I don't know what could have happened there. It could have been some miscommunication. I'm imagine I'm imagining if you have one guy that works at directly at the Emerson that uh that books that books bands there, and you also have a guy that lives in Chicago that books uh bands at that same venue, you might and you guys are having separate emails that might cause some problems. <laughs> but uh, I haven't had a problem like that until uh I this guy I'll probably just go ahead and call out because everybody hated him anyway. Uh, the the guy David Kavorkian from the from the Cincinnati scene. <laughs> that guy. There, there had been at least two or three times where he would call me or he would shoot me a message or I'd shoot him a message trying uh, trying to open up a show at Bogarts or whatever venue that he decided to have the show at. And then um, uh, the first time I met, I messed with them was when I was in Into the Divine. And uh, he, I think he hit us up to like to, to open up one of his shows. I can't, I might've been Rings of Saturn or something. And I, and uh, he was like, all right, I'll get you tickets this week. And I was like, all right, sweet. And then the, the week went by and I got no tickets. And I messaged him again and said, hey, when am I getting tickets? And he would just he would just read the message and just not respond. And I would message him every couple of days trying to get a confirmation. And he would just read and not respond. Uh, and I'm just like, no. and I was just like, hey, man, it's it's no hard feelings if you decided to book someone else over us. But you need to let me know because I am like taking time. I'm trying like we're taking time out of our schedules to to do this for you. And he just never got back with me. And then when the flyer finally came out, our, our logo wasn't even on it or even on the event page. So I was like, okay, at least we're not being forced to sell pre-sales for a show. We're not playing, but he, he did that a couple times to me in flesh as well. And, uh, and at one point I, I fucked up and gave him my phone number because he oh. asked if he, he asked if we wanted to open for Whitechapel, and I was like, "Hell yeah, I'll, I'll open for Whitechapel." But I also started off the conversation on my end with, "I'm not selling pre-sales to this. So if you, so if you want me to sell pre-sales to this, just don't. Let's just not even talk." And he, and he was like, "Don't worry, you don't have to sell pre-sales." And then uh, and then we end up not getting on the show anyway. Um, and then after I gave him my phone number, he he called me and was like, "Oh, sorry about Whitechapel, but I have another offer for you." And, Oh, uh, you got uh, you want to open up for cattle decapitation in four days? And I was like, um, sure. There there seems to be a catch to this though. And he's like, Yeah, um, so uh so I need the band to sell 25 pre-sales. So uh, each of your band members could sell five pre-sales. And I was just like, Whoa, no, 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 no. Huh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, I'm I've I've played in since I've played in Ohio once. I don't know 25 people in Ohio that will right. uh and I don't know 25 people in Indianapolis that would be willing to take the drive like that. And if they, if they are taking the drive like that, they probably already bought their ticket off of the, uh, the event bright link or the Ticketmaster link or whatever, uh, whatever link that was provided when the show first got announced versus when first being asked four days prior. Where do these fucking idiots come up with the thought process that some band that's three or four hours away can sell pre-sale tickets to a show in general like obviously four <laughs> days is no time to promote or sell right. anything but we've been asked to play shows before like the guy that you were talking about earlier billy one or two up <laughs> in uh crown point i think it was or lake station and uh now they only asked us to sell like 10 tickets and i was like well that's not a big deal he's like if you don't sell them it's not a big deal 
I was like, okay. I mean, that's cool, but at the same time, it's like, that's like two hours minimum <laughs> from us. Who the hell's going to drive up there? I guess if we brought like a significant other or a buddy with us, that would be the half the tickets maybe. Right. But does anyone really think that a band from that far away that's not even around that area no one's ever heard of is really going to sell tickets to a show that far away? Well, I think they're expecting naive kids to uh, to say yes uh, under the uh, impression that they're getting to open up for a band that they like worship and uh Usually, when I when I see some other uh, local bands opening up for a band that doesn't really sound like them, and then they'll be like, "Oh, we we've been listening to this band for years. We're heavily influenced by them." There was a there was another local band in the area. They were thrat they were thrash metal, and uh, they were kind of cool. Some of the members were cool. Some of the members kind of sucked, but um, <laughs> but uh, they. They they would always talk shit about other genres like metalcore, deathcore. It was the the trendy the trendy teenage thing of of shitting on anything that that has the suffix core on it, because that's uh because they were told by, like by Metallica or Pantera that metalcore is dumb, and then uh and then they get the opportunity to open up for let's say like Oce- Oceano in his case, and uh and it's a deathcore band and they and they had talk shit about Oceano specifically and dumb Facebook rants that they've made. And I remember somebody called them out and was like, how are you going to talk so much shit about this band and then brag about how you get to play a show with them? And they're like, well, we, we just want to play shows and we figured it'd be a cool, it'd be a cool experience. And it's like, no dude, like just like it, it just seems dishonorable. Like I would hate to massively talk shit about bands and then, willingly play for them just because i know they're gonna draw a crowd right no i my band had to do with uh mr kevorkian i don't remember if one of us found him or he found us because he was probably like you know trying to get his weaseling his hands in indiana bands because all, all the ohio bands pretty much like turned their back on him obviously and he was like i think he called me or i don't know i don't remember who gave them i don't know and like I, yeah, I think he gave me his number to call him because he's like, ah, I'm, I'm doing this thing out here. It's going to be called a battle for what the hell is that? Anyway, well, battle was for a summer slaughter. Yeah, battle for that summer phone call slaughter. Too. I'm like, at first I told the band and then I got excited. I'm like, it's fucking Ohio. And then the one guy in my band, the gullible as he is, he's like, no, we should do that. I'm like, no, dude, this is a fucking bullshit. So the guy sent me the tickets and I was like, you know what? We're not gonna be able to make it. Sorry, and that was it. Like I just, I just bowed out. I kept the tickets because what was I gonna do with them? They're probably just junk. But it was, it was just a scam. And I'm like, man, if somebody's that desperate to reach out to us, even though a couple members of band were like, no, that's awesome, he reached out to us. I'm like, that's not how it works. Promoters don't reach out for bands unless they unless they're your friends or they're absolutely desperate, which is usually desperation so like a lesson learned like and i asked another friend from ohio about it and he's like yeah that guy's fucking scumball so yeah i don't know if he's still doing this shit but like i don't know I why ran out about time like how do we how could you be like such a shithead and like piss off so many people do you get like does he actually jack off every time he gets like a a hate mail in a cup you know jacks off in a cup he's got this cup full of stuff of how many people hate him because i don't understand how he gets off wasn't, hmm? I was just saying, wasn't Kevorkian like the doctor of death? 
like the guy that was killing people. Yes. Well, yeah, the real oh. one, but like, yeah. I don't know why he calls himself that. Is his last name really Kevorkian? Because he's like the, the scene killer. I don't know what his name is. His real name is. Maybe that's why he picked Kevorkian because he thinks like he's the Joe Joe Pesci's fucking stunt double. I don't know what he is. <laughs> I think I think if I still have him in my contact, I'm actually double checking right now. Um, yes, it, in my contact it says David Kevorkian parentheses do not answer. <laughs> and uh, and it's funny. I think when I got the phone call for Summer Slaughter as well, I'm on the phone te- uh, texting the group chat. Hey, I just got offered the thing for the bow the bands for summer slaughter and then in the same phone call i also said oh never mind he wants us to sell 35 tickets yeah and it's, way, yeah and i had also learned my lesson with that in the local scene with into the divine because when mayhem fest was still around uh the emerson also had a battle of the bands for that a couple <laughs> a couple years in a row and uh and into the divine played the last one and they made it seem like it was going to be a mix of uh ticket sales versus how how the band performs live and how the crowd reacts to the to the band while they're performing and and i thought and i thought we had it in the bag because i think we did and uh we either sold the most pre-sales or the second most pre-sales out of all the bands on there and um and we and we kicked ass and i remember looking at and this is probably just even me reminiscing but i i swear i even remember looking out and seeing just people being so hyped over it Mm. and then uh they and then at the end of the night, the guy come at, came out on stage and was like, all right, so the uh, I think first place was like a ma- the Mayhem slot and second place was opening up for the Ghost Inside or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this was before the dude lost his leg and whatnot. And uh, we're all sitting there. And then he's like, all right, so the winner is Billy, which is uh, I'm not going to name that band either. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, and, and the reason why everyone was upset was because this band – like, because I looked at the ticket, uh, I was friends with one of the door door people, and they showed me the ticket, uh, the ticket counts, and that band sold seven pre-sales. Um, they sound they they sounded like I hate to be that guy. They they didn't really have a good set because because uh, not only was nobody really in there watching the show, but they had also brought their own lights for the show, and their lights fell in on them. And I think the reason why they won was because one of the one of the guitar players was a producer or something. And I think and I think they uh, I think there was some uh, mean peddlings going on in the back uh, in the in the behind the scenes of that. But mm-hmm. um, but needless to say, like all the bands that actually like kind of worked hard to uh, to get there, did, got nothing out of it. I don't even think anybody got to open up for the ghost inside like the guy told me. But it was also funny because I think. I think it took them like two or three weeks later than what they said it was going to take to get pre-sales. And then one time the promoter called me drunk and said, Hey, um, <laughs> there's another band that also needs pre-sales. Can you, um, and I don't have the file anymore. Can you help me? So I'm a, uh, so I, I took, I think I had one sheet of uh, tickets. I still hadn't cut up yet. And I actually, no, I, I, I had cut them all up. And this guy was like, yeah, I need you to send me a, a PDF of the sheet. So I photocopied one, pulled up my cracked copy of Photoshop on my on my laptop and and made a, a ticket template out for this guy and like cut out the the, the written name on there because I wrote all the band's name or the particular band's name on Sharpie. And uh, and then that dude just disappeared off the face of the earth after that show, too which was even more ridiculous. I like how he called you drunk. He was probably in like a bar that looked like cheers, desperate. It, it pretensed with mm-hmm. 
it i'm sorry it, it pretends with a with a text of hey buddy with a bunch of smiley faces and then i was like yo what's up he's like i call you and then he called me and was like hey buddy and i was just like oh god i can't <laughs> believe i'm dealing with this at eight, at 17 years old i never gave anyone my phone number i did everything through emails or messenger or some shit like that and people i didn't want them to have my number I'm i think still, i learned my I'm, lesson there i'm still that way most people don't have my phone number like you can message me on facebook like yeah. other than that i'm not giving you my personal shit <laughs> actually i'm guilty i uh gave the sound guy at the venue we were supposed to play my phone number and he, he called me of course i didn't know who it was and then he he texted me he's like oh the show got canceled I'm like, okay. <laughs> so i'm like i'm gonna be this guy's friend because he's actually a good fucking sound guy so whatever maybe he can get me in next time but we were talking about obscura earlier and i just wanted to throw in that this in that like i've seen obscura screw up live which means they're human i don't know how well i know what happened they the drummer played the wrong track and they were playing to the wrong song and they had to stop and I'm like, Oh my God, obscure is actually human. Anyway, that's how I felt when I saw art spire last year at uh, in Chicago, because uh, they're, they run their whole show off a laptop with click tracks, kind of like how Flushboard does. And then something fudged up in the, uh, cause like there's, there's a lot of elements when you have a rig like that, that could possibly go wrong as you're right. playing. And it's always good to make sure that all your cables are plugged in properly and everything's, uh, running properly but i think they're playing uh i think it was remote tumor seeker was the opening song and then partway through the solo everything everything kind of just takes a shit for some reason i can't huh. i don't remember exactly what happened but they just they stopped the song and was like sorry you're gonna have to listen to this on spotify next song which i i was <laughs> cool with but i was cool with it because uh that that showed me that they were st- also still human because I, I watch Dean Lamb on YouTube all the time too, and that dude's a friggin' monster. Oh, yeah, but he's goofy. So like, for them to do that just shows the human. But like, Obscura, I'd never expected that because they're they're German and tight, and I swear they don't even have set lists. They just know what they're doing. And it's like, oh my god, they are human. Anyway, <laughs> what's also really cool is with like when they came here last year as well. I think half the group was uh soup was uh different members from other bands like a. Uh, they they like Stefan brought a uh, Christian Munzer back, which was awesome. Right, and then uh, they had uh, Alex Weber from uh, Exist, which was which is also a really cool like pro- progressive metal band. And then they had Gabe Sieber on drums. And I'm like, wow, this is a uh, this is a powerhouse lineup. This there nothing could go wrong here. Hmm. And uh, and Gabe Sieber was doing double duty for Vale and Noth that night, if I remember correctly, hmm. which was uh, even crazier watching a having to watch a drummer do two extreme metal sets at once because i i want to i want to go to bed when i'm done playing a 30 minute set right oh well i mean whatever more uh protein shake for that guy i guess (laughs) when you mentioned obscura every time i hear that band name i can't get this out of my head there was a drummer we tried out in the endless quest of finding a drummer for to minus may and all he talked about was how Obscure was his favorite band, blah, blah, blah. For some reason, his drum kit, and if my guys from the band are actually listening to this episode, they're going to know exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> Every time he hit the kick drum, it smelled like fart. Holy like, fuck. No fucking lie. Like He wasn't there and he left his kit there because he, he jammed with us for like a couple weeks. When he wasn't there, we're like, why does his kit smell like shit so bad? 
We thought maybe a cat or something got inside the drum and like took a shit in there or something because he had the hole cut out in the front for like a mic to be placed in. And it just was reeking around. There's like old pillow and stuff in there. I was like, man, what the fuck does the stink so bad for? <laughs> and then he wasn't really up to snuff of what we were wanting. So we're like, man, you it's been cool and everything. Appreciate it. But uh, I think we're just going to keep on looking. I don't know if it was because he couldn't play it good enough or it's the fact that we just couldn't stand the stench anymore. The but. um what we've been on the uh on the fronts of trying to find a drum new drummer for Fleshboard since we let go of the uh the, the guy that we've had for the last few years that was on the Amber's gathering. And uh it was a lot of um it was a lot of people not really understanding what they were signing up for when they were like when they were hitting us up to, to audition, I've had a few, I had a few people that would message me and be like, yeah, I'm interested in playing drums. And I'm like, okay, uh, I, <laughs> I see you play in the, I see you play in some other bands, but it's not really, um, it's not really the same kind of style that what we're doing. Can you send me some videos? And he's, and then they'd be like, oh, I just listened to your guys's music finally. And uh, I realized that I can't do that. And I'm just like, <laughs> did you, and that's like going to a job or like or applying for a job and going into the interview and just being like look i don't i don't know what you guys do i just need money it was yeah. um <laughs> i think that happens more often than not it was and it was a little tough too because uh the technical metal is pretty is pretty hard and pretty taxing and uh and now the new material that we're going to be putting out here hopefully within the next year is even faster than the than the last album so like a lot a lot of drummers i've noticed like they kind of plateau at around like in the bpm ranges like anywhere between 240 and 260 and 260 was our fastest song on the last album and it wasn't but it also wasn't like ridiculous like archspire or cytotoxin or psychroptic where like it's always just 11 the entire time <laughs> and um I, but we just got we we just got off that run with Rose Funeral last week with um with our buddy Joey from Into Panamonium and he has done a fantastic job doing what he can to uh, learn the sets or learn the songs and perform them to uh, the best of his ability and uh, I think we're gonna be if we don't stick with him which I think we are gonna be sticking with him he's going to uh, we would just be relying on drummers outside of the area because there's not really that many guys in even indiana alone that can that can do do that i mean even justin from severed head shop he's been playing with carrying veil for the last uh like nine nine ish months or so yeah and uh and i think they're i think justin lives about two hours away from everyone else and uh and even our singer michael or also michael he uh he lives two hours away from us too so we don't really so when the main band rehearses it's just the the three guys the the two guitar players and the bass and then we just play the uh the click track and the drums off the laptop and uh, and practice that way that's what we always did and we the, actually I, we've played shows with the laptop as the drummer because we could never find a fucking drummer honestly i used to have a really bad stigma against that because i always thought well especially in tech metal you want to be able to perform what you're writing but at, at this point in time there's so many there's like so few players and so many I, like there's definitely way more guitar players out there than drummers and um so like if, if that's if that's how someone needs to if someone needs to backtrack their drums 
and program them and perform that way, I'm not going to dog them anymore. I've, I've seen so many one man, two man bands on, on the road over the last uh, couple of years where, uh, like they'll either be a guitar player and a, and a vocalist or, um, or one, I, we played, uh, Austin last year with burial in the sky. And one of the opening guys was, uh, it was just a dude and he had a, it was just him on guitar and he would do vocals sometimes, but he had everything else like his samples and his drums and his bass backtrack. And he actually kicked fucking ass. I, I wish I remember the name, but that dude, uh, that dude took, uh, takes a lot of courage to, uh, just by himself just on a stage yeah wow <laughs> wow and even speaking of austin that was a that was a fun show because the i'm pretty sure the sound guy was on coke and he didn't believe <laughs> that kick triggers existed and oh. um and so we we ran the kick trigger out to the di he didn't like how clicky it sounded since that's how metal drums go so he so while we're performing he goes on stage unplugs the xlr cable out of the di box that we have for the for the kick trigger and then drapes uh, a microphone over the kick drum there's no port in the kick drum either we just we we trigger it out <laughs> so because the port looks kind of goofy if you're not using it and right. um and uh so and then the show ends we're pack we're finishing packing up the van uh sound guy comes up to us and says Hey, uh, I usually at the end of every show, I, I get with all the bands and we and we talk about the things that we did like and the things that we didn't like and see how we can both improve as uh, musicians and sound guys. And uh, and we start and he started mentioning the uh, like the kick, the, the kick drum scenario. And we were trying to explain our case to him, but he would he wouldn't let us talk like like he was like, you got to like he would keep pounding his chest. He's like the kick drum. You have to feel it in here. And 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 that's how and that's how a kick drum is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be clicky. And and uh, me and Mike, me and Michael Lowe, we're trying to explain to him, hey, can you? We're trying to explain to him why we did it the way we did. And he's like, no, 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 shut up, listen to me, listen to me. And we're just like, is this supposed to be a learning? We're sitting there in our minds, is is this supposed to be a learning experience for everybody, or is this a guy just trying to come uh, come speak his case? Right. <laughs> And uh, and he, but yeah, we didn't even get a chance to tell him how we felt about the situation and why, um, and uh, why we were upset with how he ran sound that night. Was he an older guy? He not too old, maybe maybe late thirties or early forties. Really? Hmm. Uh, I just remember he should have known better at that point. Well, I thought he was cool because we because uh, there is a we walked up to a burger place like right up the street together and got some food and he, and he seemed pretty cool when talking to him. And then once the show actually started, it kind of just uh, flipped the switch there. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, we, we played, we had an old, old sound guy at, at West Chicago social club last week. And, um, and he was actually pretty spot on with, uh, with the sound and everything. And he's, He's a big metal guy too, so he knows that the the, the kick trigger has to be or the kick drum has to be clicky in a metal band, and you can't really just. And um, some some guys are cool with that. Some guys some guys aren't. But, uh, was that a metal club in the Texas place, or he was all of a country guy? <laughs> I think it does. Uh, I think they probably did more like classic rock and some other stuff. But I think they also held uh, other show or a bunch of metal shows there too. I think we played uh I think we played Come and Take It in San Antonio the the day after and that was and even though there wasn't really a lot of people there the experience was overall better and the sound guy was cool and we I think we had some issues with our 
with our rig that he even helped us uh, get fixed up because mm-hmm. we were having like microphone feedback issues for two two tours that I somehow couldn't pin down until halfway through the last one. And um, te- Texas is one beautiful place, man. <laughs> um, and but we were down there. We were down there when uh, last year when that big ass bullshit uh, snowstorm came through, and um, they lost all the power. We didn't lose all the power, surprisingly, but uh, but it wasn't as high as it normally was. So I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm going to get to enjoy some sun. It's going to be 70 degrees out. And then half the time it was like 40. It was like still 30, 40. But, uh, it was still a blast. Yeah, I forgot about that. Damn, fucking that weather machine's broken. <laughs> <laughs> last time I was in, well, it wasn't the last time. Second to last time I was in Florida is like 20 years ago. And we were down there, southern into florida and they had freeze advisories going on now granted it was in january but like it never gets that cold down there so the people were like freaking out because they were losing power and everything i was like this is not the type of florida that i fucking was picturing it being down here people come down here to get warm and it's still fucking cold i heard that the state of georgia has two snow plows for the entire state Well, that makes sense. My girlfriend <laughs> is is laying in bed right next to right next to me right now because we're just in my bedroom, and uh, she just confirmed to me, yeah, that is true. Mm. <laughs> no, and, I know a and, lot about the snow plows. I did it for <laughs> eight years here in Indiana. It's fucking yeah. sucked. And uh, I'm surprised that we went we went to the New England and East Coast area like two months before that in November, and uh, and it wasn't even that bad over there. Uh, especially for the time in comparison, D- DC was pretty was pretty warm, and uh, uh, and was pretty fun. Besides the fact we got a bunch of traffic violations for, uh, well, it was only one traffic violation there, and I think one in Virginia. But we uh, we were just dicking around in DC on a day off, and uh, I think we and uh, a lot of the a lot of the street parking down there you have to clear out by like four o'clock because of the traffic or the. Ec- uh the increase in traffic and we realized that so we're jogging back to the van uh to move it because it was like a little bit past or a little bit before four and we got there a little bit after four and uh the the van was already tagged with a with a with a a traffic ticket as well like it was like i think it was like four minutes after four o'clock they tagged uh, they tagged it and then four minutes later we made like we got to the van and uh and it sucked, but uh, but note to note to bands that are uh, that go out on tour. If you're in a spot where you could possibly be ticketed uh, later on during the day, they they will probably target your van first because you got out of state plates, and they know that you're not going to be able to contest that shit in court, or drive back to D, drive twelve hours back to DC to go contest that in court. Fuck them. It's free money for them. Right. So I'll incriminate myself here, but it's been 15 or 16 years ago. I got a ticket from a camera for speeding in a, I won't say the state, but it was a different state. And someone showed up at my parents' house because that was the address that was on my license for the rental vehicle. (laughs) And they pretended they had no idea who I was or anything about it because he was there to summons me for like a court appearance for an unpaid ticket in this state. It had been like six months after the fact that, that happened, I guess. And I never did ever hear anything else about it. But it's kind of funny that they would actually send someone 
Brian summons me to an appear in a court for an unpaid speeding ticket. Did he look like Dog the Bounty Hunter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never asked what he looked like. They said he was an old man wandering around. He was walking around the back of the yard looking around. That's so fucking weird. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah the things people do for money. Shit. I don't know what he's going to do, like arrest me or something. Here, here's this piece of paper. You're supposed to appear 2,000 miles away. Okay. Well, let right. me get right on that. So how many, so basically you, you basically in the position to go on tours then like your job work with you to do that. Yeah. I work at a, I work at a small company out in uh, Fortville, Indiana. It's a, uh, it's just a plaque making company, mm. but uh, I run a, I run a laser out there cause I make large signs for, for the company, but they, they seem pretty, we don't go out on the road for that long often, right? but there's enough like even if i don't have pto i think like if i went up to them and said hey i would like to have this these times off so i can go play with my band they're usually they like they haven't told me no yet there was even one time last year when i was i uh i had a phone call from my buddy uh james he wanted me to to go out and uh fill in uh fill in on a guitar with him for uh for the rest of the of their tour and uh, it was like a six day notice. So not only would I have learned how to play the whole set by then, but um, but I had to figure out how I was going to get there. And I, I went to my supervisor and was like, hey, um, it's cool if, if, if you say no, because I know it's six days away, but uh, I just got an opportunity to fly out to the East Coast and go tour. Is that possible? And they were, they were willing to, to work with me and make that happen. Hmm. Uh, Back in the day, I used to work retail at the 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 Risk D Play, and um, that's uh, that's code for disc replay. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, the, and that that kind of that was a little bit harder because I was a ship lead, but they we weren't really on the road like that at the time. But I'm mm. I'm also glad I'm out of retail anyway, since. Uh, since uh retail or customer service in general sucks <laughs> dealing with people sucks right dealing with people does suck i worked at uh during uh after i left this replay i worked uh, at the guitar center call center in brownsburg for four months during uh during the beast mm. and um and this was maybe six months after the everything kind of get everything was shut down mm. and uh they they changed their they kind of changed their structure up a little bit to be more like Sweetwater where they would, uh, where like, you know how you get your, your daily phone call from Sweetwater two or three times a month. And they check on that order that you placed four years ago with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love my, I love Sweetwater, man. I love my rep and everything. I, I appreciate that he calls and checks up, but, um, at musician's friend guitar center, they, they did it more of the telemarketing, way where it's uh hey you're calling them checking up on them but you also want to try to get them to pay more uh, to spend more money with us mm, i've got those calls i was like where the hell are they <laughs> yeah okay yeah you probably I got a call got a about go. a month ago that was the only one i've ever gotten from them yeah from sweetwater or musician's friend the musician's friend no, sweetwater's one that called me because yeah. i just went up there back in march and bought a cloud lifter that's and awesome though <laughs> he called me like a month later he's like how's that help going for you i was like i mean it's working. <laughs> it's doing no, what it's supposed to be doing. It's not lifting me to the clouds, you liar. I got some sales from doing that too. Don't get me wrong, but like they, with the amount that they expected or the amount of phone calls they make, they expected to make a day, 
Like I would be, I think I, I think my shift was uh, 11 to eight Tuesday through Saturday. So, mm-hmm. so social life was already, my social life was already like shot in the back of the head, but, um, but uh, like I would be calling these guys in California and it's 8am over there and they're just, and they're at work at their factory jobs. And they're like, why the hell are you calling me? I'm at work. <laughs> right. And, and you'd have to come, you'd have to converse with them the whole time. And they're, and, and while they're on the phone, they're just getting more upset with you because you're taking up time with them from work. But if you didn't try to sell them something at that point, you would get flagged and, uh, and you would mm-hmm. get a talk from your supervisor at that time. Um, a, a lot of back orders too. I, um, like they, it was around the time when, uh, they also filed for bankruptcy, um, and people would call in just to make fun of the of the company for having to file for bankruptcy too. I never got any of those phone calls, fortunately. But um, oh, that's great. Sorry. No, you're fine. But um, it would be a lot of people calling in and being like, "Yeah, my my back order has been pushed back like five or six times. I don't even want to keep this anymore." And then you you'd just cancel the order because I would just cancel the orders because I because if if my back order got pushed back that many times, I wouldn't want to keep the order with them too. Right. And uh, and the reason why that they were having so many back orders too wasn't really because of the inventory issues. It was because that they were like musicians' friend wasn't paying their vendors uh, for the stuff they had already received, so the vendors just stopped sending them stuff, which is, well, of course is is valid as hell because if you're if the vendors aren't making the money off of the the products you're sending to Guitar Center, why would they send more? Why would they send more? Yeah, well, I remember when like Guitar Center went bankrupt, but then somehow they got out of it and it's like how the hell are you still floating i mean i i have a love-hate relationship for that fucking store whatever i mean but like you go to all of them and one's better than the other or one's more depressing than the other and it's like it's just like literally a twilight zone it's like the same and like the guys that i know that work at the one i like to fucking say dumb questions to them like hey remember those commercials with the guys like here at guitar center it's it's guitar season month yeah guitar center i'm like who does that voice and they're like i, I don't know <laughs> you guys remember that commercial no they would also uh near the end of my tenure there they would all they were pushing us hard to sell uh, music lessons over the phone too and we had to sell like x amount of lesson plans over the phone oh, and uh the way that some employees were getting away with that was uh they were either adding them to the customer's invoice without even telling them or they would um or if like it, let's say the customer was genuinely interested in receiving and uh, getting their lesson plan paid for on the phone by a guy at the call center instead of going into the store that they uh, would like to have lessons from and do the lessons from there, they would just sit like like some and some stores also weren't like none of the stores were made equal equally. So if you needed a mandolin teacher per se, you, you like your your store might not have a mandolin teacher. The the closest mandolin teacher might be at a store. 60 miles away or 200 miles away and uh and the employee would just set the lessons to go to that store <laughs> just to get the sale and, and i got a couple phone calls from that too like they would and the the way the system was set up the only way you can get a refund for those lessons is if you called or went into that store oh. so the um so i i and i think that that got taken care of after a while but uh that was just a very awkward um very awkward very a, a lot of people calling 
and uh, they want me to, to give them the phone number to, to the vendors like Vox or Epiphone or Gibson and say, hey, you need to you need to stop what you're doing on production and uh, and make this one combo amp that you got that you guys don't sell a lot of for this one customer. And um, I remember one person, uh, one adult, one person called and it was their mom. Uh, they were wanting like an Epiphone slash model or something. And it went on back order. And then the mom called me or his mom called me and was like, Hey, um, I need you to give me the phone number to Epiphone so I can call them and uh, see if they can get this guitar shipped out to, uh, for us. And I'm like that, that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> I it's like, like, sorry, no, you're fine. Go ahead. I think now that I hear you talk, I think maybe you might look like Slash or the bus driver in Simpsons. You are close. Well, he told me you had curly hair, but I'm trying to picture what your face looks like. But yeah. The the joke I just made recently is that um on some of the uh, on some of the <laughs> Facebook groups I'm in, if I end up in an argument with somebody, they will uh they will instantly refer to me as fat dimebag Daryl. <laughs> what? Yeah, and they'd be like, "Why is Fat Dimebag Daryl trying to make a trying to prove Fat Dimebag Daryl?" And uh, and I can and I can respect that I'm I'm a chunky person, but everyone tells me I'm not fat, so it's always it's always funny when uh, when those when that happens because right. somebody's lying to me somewhere. <laughs> I wouldn't go out of my way to say you're fat. Like you're no fatter than the. I just pictured you as tall, skinny <laughs> guy, like 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 Slash in his heyday, or the fucking bus driver of like. The Simpsons. That's all. His name was Otto, and Otto. he talked like this. Yeah, or it was, it was kind of like a mix of Skater Dude and Duke Nukem. <laughs> so he must have Dimebag Daryl hair, then. Is what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> nice. He had nice hair. <laughs> Rest in peace. So actually, you you Old would actually shrine bag. Shrine bag. You actually like segued in the question I ask everybody about what your band did during the Beast era. Obviously, you worked, but like. How did the band stay productive? I mean, did some of you just kind of take a hiatus completely from music, or what did you guys do? We we still met up almost twice a week and practiced the. I'm album. calling the cops. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> no, uh, we we met up tw- almost twice a week still, or even once a week to uh to work on to keep tight, and then we even kept writing. Um, unfortunately with the, uh, with the old drummer, I'm not, I'm not going to get into a lot of details with what happened with that because, sure. uh, cause I can make a whole episode about that if you really, if we really wanted to. Um, but he, um, we, so we held on to Emperor's Gathering for a year and a half. We, we signed a one album deal with Inner Strength and, and put the album out. Uh, we toured, we did a few tours, um, Coming in, coming into 2022, after the after the tour with Burial in the Sky, we we started working on another CD. But instead of the C, instead of the song or the eight or nine songs that we had already put together at that point, uh, I was told, "Oh, we need to write four more songs for a quote unquote experimental EP." And then that then that never happened. And mm-hmm. then we started trying to work on out the next album again. And then. And uh, and that's what I'm actually going to be going to the studio next week to start tracking, which is uh, the the album, which is going to be, which I think is going to be great. We've been we've been messing with those songs since uh, like for three years since the since the beast happened, pretty much. Hmm. And uh, 
it, it, it's kind of crazy when you think about how long it takes for some of this stuff to actually uh, come to fruition. Fruition too. It, it, when I watch like the Black Dahlia Murder, or Obscura, or Art Spire, or any of those bands, and they're right, and they, uh, and and some some of them will put albums out every two years, and you're kind of just like, damn, how do they have the time for that? And then, yeah, and then like while you're trying to write seven songs for your band, it takes two, it takes two or three years in between working and and playing as many shows as you can play, and then um, and and whatnot and it just takes the this time it took a little bit longer because we were we were paying a uh a session drummer to to write and record the drums and he already kind of had a back calendar of uh of bands he was already working with but we were just like you know what you're so good we'll, we're willing to wait and hmm. then and then jackson our engineer he just flew he just drove out to vegas to do some other production uh production work and now he's going to be back so it's just it's been like six months of of waiting i've been playing country shows for nine months like waiting for this to happen did you say jackson yep that's the he's in bram's band isn't he i was gonna say is that the same guy no uh not not jackson stringer uh jackson ward if you've watched uh glenn Uh, fricker's uh specter sound studios channel at all in the last few years you've probably seen him playing drums on there if you remember the guy it's like um what is it uh Oh, uh, program drums are bad. Bass player bad. Uh, Kemper bad. Um, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen too many of those. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, a production purist per se, but yeah, Jackson's real. Jackson's real good. He 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 hasn't done a lot of extreme metal, but I really like the hmm. I really like the quality of the recordings, and I think if we had like and sitting down with them actually probably makes the release sound a bit better than what it could. Or what I or what it could if I did it myself or even two. I've like the we've done we did one demo so far of the new stuff and it already sounds uh leagues beyond what Ember's Gathering ended up being. And I think it was also because we're a bit more prepared this time and then the drummer or the session drummer we hired, he actually like tunes his drums for for recording in the studio and and, and because he does that he also has to actually practice and play more to actually keep up with it because it's harder to um it's harder to play fast drums on low tune drums because you're not getting that bounce back i think i'm, I'm not a drummer so i don't, I don't know shit but huh. but uh but needless to say it's been uh i think it's gonna be a blast the um but yeah i've been waiting for that and at the same time i joined a uh, i joined a country cover band last year with nice. uh, billy and the tall boys which has been uh filling up a lot of my time too and uh not uh, uh, most shit you gotta deal with there is uh is just dealing with drunk people that cross your speaker line and and uh and they're asking you to play uh chris stapleton's uh mm-hmm. version of tennessee whiskey and you and you're just like dude you you need to ask me when i'm when I'm not playing, because I'm not going to remember to to ask the singer to play. That. I bet I bet you get more. You get paid more for that gig too, right? Definitely. Yeah. It's, um, so. And uh, when we when the band first started at playing shows out, we were asking for less money because I think we were a little afraid of uh, of not getting gigs because we were asking for too much. And now we've <laughs> had to up the 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 minimum guarantee like two or three times now because we keep getting asked to play shows and it's not any of that uh 
it's none of that new new wave uh, sn- uh boom snap bullshit that you hear on the radio anymore it's right. like waylon jennings and hank jr what's and, your uh, guarantee what's your guarantee in case people want to join a country band quit this metal shit um it's well right now we're asking like a minimum of 15 per show 1500 right nice and um and i think the cover band stigma <laughs> could also <laughs> <laughs> well that's a, that's the thing i was thinking about too man like the like the, there's there's a stigma with playing with playing cover music whether it's country or rock or anything because yeah. a, a lot of people will look at that as like yeah if you're playing a cover band you're uh you've given up on your dreams but <laughs> The, the way I'm looking at it is is my goal is I I want to play music as a, as a career, mm. and if uh, if playing covers means that I can have more time to spend on playing death metal, then that's gonna be the uh, that like that would be the goal. The only thing that the only thing that's stopping me right now from doing that is is having to work a job for uh, for health insurance. <laughs> right, but like you still manage to fit all all the all the things in, so it's not like. I mean, what you're doing is pretty cool because you're Thank able you. to, well, I mean, you're able to have a job and then you play in a cover bit and then you got the flesh board. So it's like, that's kind of a win-win to me. I mean, some people have given up on that kind of stuff and just play in a cover band, but they still got a regular job. So, you know. And those guys probably make a lot of money too. Cause if they're if like, if you're, if you're in a good cover band, like and like people will want to book you at their at their places and at at their bars and at their private and at their private events weddings uh at whatever whatever shit they got going on hmm. and um and if you're good enough you can almost ask for whatever price that you want and more times than not people w- would pay it and if if you got five guys we got five guys in the sound guy and we all split the money up evenly so and um and at that point it's almost like even without getting tips, which is something else you can also ask for at, at shows in like a tip jar. Mm-hmm. Usually like that's a, a minimum of 200 bucks in your pocket and you're, uh, you're at most, uh, the, the, the only thing that really sucks about that is like load is like we, we, uh, in more, most cases you have to bring your own PA around here. Yeah. And, uh, and we have the full kit and caboodle, the, the two subs, the two mains and all the, uh, and all the individual stage wedges and everything so we're, we're loading up a whole van so it's almost like going to an eight-hour job uh yeah. on, on top of working your your main job but at, at the end of the day i i like i don't know how much you guys make per per day or if you even know but it's almost like pretty much making your same uh it's almost like making your normal wage but you're also getting to do something cool that you love to right but That's uh cool. I'm hoping to get Flushport back out uh, further on the road again later this year. Uh, there's a couple of shows that that Flushport is playing. Uh, one Slam Dakota Fest in uh, in like three weeks. I, I won't be able to make that because I'm playing a, a private event that day that was already booked before we got asked. But that that's the uh, that's the flow or the that's the double edged sword of being in two very busy bands is that you have to uh, kind of pick and choose. Uh, Sometimes you gotta pick and choose which shows you gotta miss from from one band for the other, and sometimes you, uh, if if the money's too good for the other band, you kind of just have to bite the bullet and not be with uh and not be with your boys in in the other show. Even so, uh, if they're... sorry, no, you're fine. So are they playing without you? Yeah, th- this will be their first show without me, but mm-hmm. uh, they got the they got everything, they got everything down. They're they're all tight dudes. Oh, so like just because they're missing one guitar doesn't matter. 
No, I usually I'd either uh, I'd either run a track out into a cab and and have them like that. So it's like there. So it seems like there's two guitars on stage, or we'll right. probably just backtrack the the guitar with the with the Fortin plug in and just send that out to the front of the nice. house and just make that even well, that, easier. That's funny because like I fucking told my band straight up if like I can't make a show, just fucking play without me. And then they're like, "No," I'm like, "Why? What does it matter?" Oh, it'll sound thin. I'm like, you got the fucking bass player. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I literally told them just fucking play a show without me. If I ever cannot make one. I mean, I've never really made, not made one. I mean, the only time we didn't play was I got the beast and I, we had to cancel two shows because I did. I felt like garbage, which made sense. But like I said, Hey, straight up, go play in Jackson, Michigan without me. They wouldn't fucking do it. I, I don't know why why i matter it's just your band leader your band dad i i don't care i when band dad says play without me fucking do it i mean eventually i'd want to like i was actually thinking because our bass player is getting like wrist surgery right and I, I really wanted to look into like doing the whole click track like recording him like playing live you know to a drummer or drummer click tracking and just record that as though it's like a live bass but I'm like, you know what? That's too much work for one fucking show. And we'll just let him have his month off for his wrist surgery. But uh, anyway, but basically what I'm saying is like, fucking play without me. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned the Beast as well, because when we came back from that uh, fall 2021 tour, right after we released the album, I think three of us contracted the Beast on the uh, while on the road. And it kind of, and it kind of sucked because we, so a couple of us, a couple of us felt sick on the road, um, but we didn't, we weren't thinking about that. Um, I think I think Michael when he he had I think he ended up contracting some sort of bronchitis on the way too. So he ended up sitting out two shows and we played instrumentally. And um, and then I got we got home. Uh, I went into work Monday or the Monday, and then Tuesday we were supposed to open up the uh, the vitriol show at Black Circle, and then my. My other guitar player Cole, he calls me and says, "Hey, I I contracted the beast. I can't play tonight." And then we're all we're all in discussion there, and we're like, "All right, maybe we have to play without him. Should be fine. I can do this and that." But I I went and I went and checked anyway, and it turned out I had also contracted it as well. So the show, so we had to drop out because because we lost two guitar players, and then we found out that same day, our Michael, our singer, he uh, he also contracted it. So three and. Uh, and Cole, we we have two Michaels and two Coles in the band. Uh, wow! Cole, bass player Cole, Cole Daniels, good kid. He, uh, surprisingly enough, he he has been on like I think at least six or seven like really long runs, like like in between then and now. And he had not, like he he had never been sick. He never contracted the beast, even like at home. Like he, I I don't know what what's in his cereal, but uh, I would like some of that. That's one. He's one not that's human. one special. That's one special bass player then. He's a good kid. Right. Uh, I remember uh, kind of going back on some of the other tour stories before, uh, like even like a year before the be- uh, the beast happened, we were on the East East coast. We did, uh, we did DC Middletown, New York. I wanted to, I wanted to tell these stories on here before we ended up getting off anyway. Um, so we, we played at a, at a, at a place in DC. Uh, it was a brewery. Um Sam will probably Sam probably knows Sam from Knowing Living Witness. We had to talk about them uh, a couple weeks ago, but um, 
and and this was kind of like my first big uh the world is bigger than me kind of scenario with Fleshboard because uh we're we're getting we're setting up we were the first band on on the show that night and we we're getting ready and we're setting up we're getting ready to play uh we ran sound check and everything and then right before right before we're supposed to play the brewery owner walks up to us <laughs> and and paraphrased here he just says so uh you see how there's only like 12 people in the crowd um yeah that's because you didn't promote the show well enough and uh, and we were just like, huh? I was like, yeah, the yeah, like usually shows here do really well. Your guy, your guys just seem to seem to not do so well. But I, I didn't see you guys promote promoted on Facebook whatsoever. And I was just like, and we we're like, well, you, you, do you understand? We're from out of town. We like we we did Facebook ads. We went uh we posted about it. We we did we did what we could for being a band from out of town. And they're like, well, you guys didn't post in like the Washington D.C. metal group or anything like that and get people to come out like at, at the end of the night we had found out from the from the local that that closed out the show that there was like four other extreme metal shows that were going on that night anyway uh. i think i think i think wormhole was playing that night too and wormhole like and dc's or like that area is their hometown so of course uh there's going to be more people there which i'm not like i'm not upset about that at all i'm just upset that that the brewery that didn't even bother to uh, print out the flyer uh, was ex- like, I think they were expecting me to drive the the 12 hours to watch, to Washington DC and, and hang up flyers and pass them out in shows and whatnot. And that wasn't uh that that's not a, uh, th- no, <laughs> that's silly. That's a, that's a shitty thing for breweries to do. Oh, you didn't promote it. Well, why didn't you promote it? I mean, God, uh, I don't know. I just pictured like some lumberjack guy telling you this shit. <laughs> it wasn't even a lumberjack guy it was like a guy who looked like bill nye oh even worse <laughs> nice and then next day we played middletown new york at a little place i like called the switch in uh, um and it's a it's a it's a dive bar there's not actually a stage in there um i like the wings actually they're really good they're double fried but um yeah we played this venue twice we played there one time in 2018 and uh and there's two stories behind it behind this too um we got to load in uh in the 2018 tour when we played there we got there and we're the first band there i think we got there like an hour early before load-in was actually supposed to happen mm. and uh and we we walk inside to kind of survey the area and uh, see who to talk to oh the promoter looks at us and is like oh you guys are here early you can help me uh bring the pa upstairs and <laughs> we're looking at each other and we're like huh and he, he goes down into the basement and he starts uh uh toss or handing us uh speakers and he says bring these up to the back and, the, and then we carry them into the back the their quote-unquote stage was uh it's their uh pool table area but we can't we can't and uh they told us to just move the pool tables we could we couldn't pull them outside because they didn't they didn't want to risk the the 600 pool tables to be stolen and um so we so we just moved them off to the side i think this room i think this place was maybe like 20 by 20 square feet max so it wasn't really that big so right. the fact that the uh that two pool tables also took up the the space <laughs> didn't really help and um and he so we helped him get everything set up i don't even think there's a sound guy that night. i think one of the guys from another band had to run sound but um but uh my buddy andy uh from jersey he set up the tour with us it was us uh his band covalent and the beast of nod which is a really cool uh intergalactic uh death metal band and uh and the promoter walks up to andy 
or from what Andy told me, the promoter walked up to him and said, Hey, so uh, there, there was a band that was opening the show. They had to drop off because one of the members, uh, his wife died. And he was like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, that, Oh, that sucks. That's uh, yeah. that's unfortunate. We feel sorry for him. And then the next thing the the guy said is, so, uh, so this is going to be a benefit show and all the money that's going to be made at the door is going to go towards uh, helping and helping his wife get a funeral. And, uh, and, <laughs> wow. and the, and Andy was like, all right, that's cool. The band, the bands are still getting paid. Right. And he, and the guy was like, no, I, I just told you like, no, no one's getting paid tonight. The, all the money is going towards the promoter or not the promoter, the, all the money is going towards uh, the dude and his wife. And I think, I think he was pissed off that that happened to, to everyone too. Cause everyone's kind of just like, all right, you got two bands here that drove 12 to 15 hours to come play at your venue. And you're going to tell them that you're not, that you're not paying them like that. Like we, like we kind of looked like at, I feel like we kind of maybe looked like assholes a little bit when um, like by, by doing that, but this, this wasn't like if, if the guy, if the promoter came to us beforehand and said, Hey, how would you guys feel about this being a benefit to help this guy out? We would, pro we would have been, we probably would have been like, yeah, sure. Cool. But, but the guy, but he just approached <laughs> everyone and said, yeah, you guys aren't getting paid. And wow. we're, and we're just like, well, that, that's uh I think I think it ended up getting sorted out. Uh, that that guy showed up to the next show that we played like a year and a half later at that venue, and he got into like three fights with different people. For for whatever reason, I think he was a drunk fuck. I, I thought maybe like that the whole like his wife died was a lie, and he's used it several times so he didn't have to pay bands. No, that it was uh it wasn't the promoter's wife who died. Oh, it was, uh, oh. It was a, a band, a band that was opening dropped off. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and 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 I respect that wholeheartedly. Like oh. I, I I respect that. If and if somebody approached me, if someone approached us first and said, "Hey, how do you feel about this?" It, it would have been one. It would have been one thing. But sure. And uh, and and those guys actually even came to support the show too because they didn't want to because they they felt bad that they had to drop off and they but they wanted to show that the. That they still cared and they, they were cool they were they were fantastic people yeah. i wish i still remember the band name but this is this is fucking five five years ago at this point from when i'm looking at the yeah. calendar <laughs> you've had beast brain since so it's okay that memory lapses too many pots too uh too too many alcohols from yep. what they say yep pot weeds pot. hell yeah also played at a place in uh allentown pennsylvania which is kind of more or less philadelphia called the sportsman's and uh, that venue was fun too but um but the venue is also in a neighborhood and it's also a bar <laughs> and uh you load in through the back and it's and it was awkward because um when we pulled the van up into the back and we're we're looking around we we turn over and and it's someone's and and we're <laughs> it there's everyone's back doors are just are just like right there because it's a very like narrow alleyway but uh but someone's front or back door was just wide open and they're just in there watching tv with their kids and uh and we're pulling the van up and as we park we look over and they're just all looking at us <laughs> and we're just like hello motherfuckers hi, hi. <laughs> well that was a fun show that's where i met uh the guys in burial in the sky and uh they were all they were all sweethearts mm. nice. um the bear, they had uh I don't know if you remember the the last two Rivers and Nile albums particularly the uh the Owls album but the the Burial in the Sky their bass player also played a sax on those last two Rivers and Nile records and the, and 
it was awesome kind of fangirling over that because I, I liked where Alice would know my name quite a bit. And, uh, and, and we've kept in touch with them too. So it's, uh, that was a whole great experience. It was great also watching, uh, watching Zach play saxophone for Burial in the, or not Burial in the Sky. Uh, well, them too, because they were on that tour with Rivers and Nile. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was awesome seeing Zach play uh, saxophone for Rivers and Nile at, at our Reggie's in Chicago like six months later. Yeah, I've only heard a little bit of their music. I got them confused with Allegiant, and I don't know why. It's like I know it's a totally different band, two different bands, but I know what Allegiant sounds like now. But like I, I just thought Rivers of Nile and them were the same band, so I probably have to listen to Rivers of Nile. I think I've seen them live. I just didn't get it because that was probably the first time I seen them. So Allegiant's really cool too. All right, man, they're fucking crazy. Shred fest. <laughs> I, I like that uh one song they put out like 10 years ago that was kind of a, a kind of a joke uh 1.618 it's a, and it's just a song about a math equation i'm pretty sure and it's just a, and when i listen and when i read and listen to the lyrics at the same time i'm like yeah math math <laughs> math metal and then i'm pushing <laughs> i'm pushing people around in my own bedroom no i'm not but uh i'm, I'm pretending <laughs> to push people around my bedroom to a song about math yes it's the only way to learn I was I was gonna ask you so like how'd you find Michael because he lives like kind of kind of a ways from your town. We um so Fleshborn and Greenleaves had played a few shows together. Uh, Michael okay. actually helped me uh, set up Fleshborn's first Fort Wayne show uh, mm. about four four-ish years ago, four or five-ish years ago now, mm. and uh, and we kept in contact since. I, I think part of the uh, alliance was also because. Uh, both of our original logos were made by the same guy, uh, Mike Lowey, and uh, we, and um, and uh, so we 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 started our friendship from there, and then and we kind of kept in touch, and then the Greenleaves went on their first big tour, and I helped them set up a show in Indianapolis mm-hmm. uh, during that tour, which ended up sort surprisingly doing a, a bit well. I would, I usually anticipate my own shows that. Uh, at home not doing well but that one did pretty pretty solid nice. and then we uh we let we parted ways with our original singer ethan and i was looking for i was looking for two things i was looking for a, a singer to to or i was looking for vocalists to audition and i was then i was looking for a vocalist that could fill in on a couple shows that we had uh that we uh had set up like two weeks later and then michael called me and he and he was like, "I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm interested in f- singing full time for Fleshboard, but I want to learn your guys' set and play these shows with you because that's because that's what I do. I like playing shows." And uh, and we sent him the set he, and the lyrics, and he came down and practiced a few times with us. And um, the, the first show with him was at was at uh, the Spot Tavern in Lafayette with Equipoise. It was Equipoise's first live show, which was which was awesome. They had a uh, Nick Padovani. Uh, it, it's his band on his, his Sanjay uh, on guitar. And Sanjay also plays in uh wormhole gray Lotus. And now in fairy, he's on tour with Inferi right now mm. as of this episode. And uh, then they also had uh, Michael Alvarez from ultra beast and flub. And he's also on tour with Inferi right now too. Funny enough. Mm. And, um, and then they also had uh hugo from beyond creation on bass and uh brody smith i i'm pretty sure that's that's his last name uh from exist 
on uh, on drums as well and it was just a powerhouse super group lineup in my eyes and it was just beautiful <laughs> but um but yeah we played the two shows with him and uh and we and on the way home we we had a little bit of a talk about him possibly pl- uh, singing full-time for us and i was like well i have a few people that are sending in auditions i want to at least give them a chance before we uh before we intervene again or uh come back together again and he was like all right that's completely fair and then we mm. we weren't really satisfied with the with the couple auditions we got and then i called him back and said we would like for you to come down and i think he came down for another practice and then we offered him the position from there i can't remember if we just offered him the position after we finally made the decision or not but um but uh, he he joined and then he he learned a whole album's worth of vocals and then went and tracked it with us like three months after he joined, and uh, and he's been he's also been eager to get this new album out because uh, he used to see himself uh, he likes practicing a lot and he and he likes learning new new uh, new techniques as well and he had sensed pushed himself to be a way better vocalist than what he was when he uh, first joined us. Mm. So the, um, he's, he, he's been pretty horny on getting this, uh, <laughs> all this new stuff out. And I, and yes. I get that cause I've been pretty horny myself to get this new stuff out. Nice. You'd mentioned you signed a one year or a one album deal with inner strength. So this new record, not going to be under that label or you guys going to hold on to it to try and shop it around or what's your plan with that? I think we're going to see uh, what our options are. The um, we, my, I had a buddy. He he does. He ended up becoming an agent for uh, Dynamic Talent uh, International, and then and we, I got, I got us on his roster for that for him booking us some of the bigger tours that we we had been on uh, over the last two years. And uh, he says he knows a, a few people. Who, uh from from the the main labels we'll we want to go to so we're gonna once the once the album's recorded i'm gonna send him the album and then he's gonna he's gonna shop that around for me but uh it's weird being a uh trying to be a band and doing that as well because a lot of these a lot of those record labels that you kind of grew up uh watching all those bands come out of like like century and nuclear blast and unique leader and whatnot they all have like demo submission emails and whatnot but they uh it's always weird because it doesn't seem like that you'll ever really hear back from them when you uh like you're you're not entirely sure if you're ever going to hear back from them when you send your material out and uh and you don't know if you're actually sending it to somebody that's actually going to listen or if it just goes into a spam email (laughs) i remember uh in when i was an into the vine i uh we had released an ep or we released that old EP and I sent it off the metal blade to see if I couldn't secure a, a record deal with them. And, um, and then the band sh- broke up shortly after that. And then I received an email from metal blade, like literally a year later. And they're like, yeah, this is cool, but uh, we're not really interested right now. And I'm just like, thanks. The The band's been broken up for a year and uh, it's been over a year since I sent you that demo, but, but uh, <laughs> I would, I'm, it's like the meme of the kid at the uh, at the computer, and he holds the thumbs up when he sends the email. Yeah, like, that's how <laughs> I felt. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Yeah, the only labels we had ever gotten con like I'd sent stuff out to, did that shit, never heard back from anything, and then the random ones we'd got contacted by seemed to be the ones that wanted you to pay to be on their label, like right off the bat. I'm like, no, 
not interested in paying a label I've never heard of. What can you do for us before I send you money? And a lot of them were from like out of country. I was like, this all just seems like scam bullshit. I've I've noticed that if a band wants, or not a band, if a label wants you to uh, cough up money up front before they actually start doing anything, that is that is more than likely a scam. The um, the 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 album release didn't do so well on on Inner Strength, unfortunately. But he's not he's not coming. He's not busting it down our door and saying, "Hey, I, I'm I'm being a." Uh, I, I need reimbursement because the album didn't do well. He, uh, we had we had everything already done from the the album masters to the music videos and the artwork and everything. So really, all we needed him to do was to just put the mark the money down in the marketing. Um, it was kind of uh, it was a I think I'd give the the whole experience maybe a C plus because he <laughs> did do his best to. There was some. There were some days where I was kind of just like, "Damn, uh, I I really wish you would text me back and give me an answer on this." But at the same time, I um, like like Jason's cool. I like J- I like talking to Jason on the phone a lot. But um, I I think this is more of the uh, of the publishing issues so when uh when the when the article came out of the band signing to the label with the music video, some some sites had their uh had it typed out and they had the track listing and the track listing didn't have, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Um, the track listing had the entire, got the beast. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's censor that cough out. Um, but the, um, so the track listing had all, had all the songs except for the title track of the album. So, so it would say, Oh, tracks one through six uh for ember's gathering and i don't have everything but ember's gathering and it wasn't consistent either like some some publications had the full track listing and the full article and um but some didn't but that seemed to be more of a publisher problem versus a uh, a label problem hmm. um the the reviews were pretty were decently favored uh there was a couple guys that said we were just trying really really hard to rip off archspire which was uh which was funny because when i when i wrote most of when i when i first started releasing music at, under flesh for i i didn't care for archspire at all and uh and i thought that it was i didn't think it was like a gimmick or anything but the the fast music didn't really click with me quite yet then until i saw them live like two or three times and then um and one and uh one uh site i they this is uh billy's site he uh <laughs> he um like basically the the too long didn't read version of his article was uh was uh, i am upset because i didn't get to the chance to write the review for art spire's new album that's coming out so because i'm upset about that i'm just gonna rip on this band <laughs> And, uh, and the whole time, like, and the only time that they're able to, uh, the only thing that they can distinguish that is actually Archspire between us and them is the, is the fast vocals. And, um, and them and and another podcast had said that, uh, we're just, that we're trying really hard to rip off Archspire when it comes to the vast vocals. But what I also don't think that a lot that those people really understood is that fast vocals were a thing 
in uh, in death metal and deathcore before Archspire was even a was even popular. Yeah. Like like Shadow of the Tent was doing that for a while. Um, a, a lot of those other deathcore, uh, huge deathcore bands. I think Dan Watson and Dickie Allen were doing that stuff since 2012. Let's let's be honest. I think you're all trying to rip off Origin. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would probably be more accurate yeah. even Whitechapel had some fast stuff back in like the late early 2010s or whatever the late 2000s or whatever I remember like some of their first stuff Bill Bozeman's stuff was somewhat faster in certain parts exactly and uh, and there was one quote that I remember from that from the uh, article in particular where uh, it, the, the beginning of the paragraph was it's uh it's obvious that there's in that the uh, that Flushbore would go out of their way to rip off a band like Archspire because uh, Flushbore uh, made their debut the same year that re- that their album Relentless Mutation came out, mm-hmm. and uh, and in my own mind I was like, well, from one the 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 CD that I the demo CD that I put out for Flushbore in in seventeen was uh was predated probably. I don't even know. It, it came out at least a few, a couple months before Relentless Mutation came out, and now, and that was even before we started. Uh, Michael was in the band, and we started doing fast vocals like that. Um, and we weren't even that fast of, of a band to begin with back then, too. So it was kind of like, it's like this get. So I'm sitting here, kind of just wondering if the guy actually like listened or did his research on the band before he had uh made a made such a wild review about it, right? But um, the one thing I really want to do is uh, is have Ollie from Archspire come on and feature on us on on a song that's really fast. Nice. And just uh, and um, and I'm I'm gonna manifest manifest that Ollie, if you're hearing this, let's make a song <laughs> together. That'd be cool if you actually listen to this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not. I'm pretty sure I actually tried to send them an email about coming on the show, and I've never heard back from them. I've emailed like several decent sized bigger metal bands, and I've only heard back from a couple. Mm-hmm. What but do they say? One said they're busy working on a new EP, maybe after that. And then the other one said they're busy at the moment, and then I haven't heard back from any of the other ones. Mm. Like I've actually tried to hit up Inferi and some of the other guys in that band, like personally sent them messages and never hear anything back. And Mal- Malcolm and them are pretty, usually pretty busy because uh, Malcolm owns uh, or he co-owns Artisan Era. So he's probably, he's probably always talking to somebody trying to make sure uh, everything's in line. Uh, but, uh, they're, they're real cool. They're like Black Dahlia if uh if black dahlia met ying bay mountain and brought him into the band I, yeah i only seen him one time live oh that that was actually the same tour with like uh Spire when i first seen them live was and it I'm with like, them in obscura yes that show that was a nuts show <laughs> I, I saw it in joliet and it was funny because i don't know if i talked about this maybe i did on the show because uh, we were about, it was like a car full of five dudes i drove because I, I stayed sober everybody else is trashed and we're all like they're all spread out everywhere all my crew and i went upstairs and like the drummer for born of osiris is drunk as, drunk as shit i remember that story yeah he, okay. he looked at you and said i'm gay. yeah i'm like okay 
<laughs> that's exactly what he said and the other guy behind him was like shh, shh. and you can obviously tell he was gay too but like i didn't care it was just funny that like like i like this band and here he's telling me he's gay but he was trash who knows what he was on but it was it was just interesting i got a picture with him and shit and you know because born of a size is cool you know it's funny because I, like I went to that exact same show too did you a, 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 a illinois one huh I, I was uh it was me uh cole cole daniels uh my buddy or our old drummer tyler and then our and then mm-hmm. another friend of ours and uh we drove up there uh we we had opened up for dying fetus at the emerson the night before and i had nice. to take i had to take uh my friend home because she got too drunk and and hurt herself at dying fetus and she's and she was going with us to see obscura the next day up in joliet and she could mm-hmm. barely walk uh or not barely walk barely stand so we uh we snuck over to the uh to one of the balcony sides with the with the stools and they tried kicking us off them a couple times and i was like look she's she's very hurt uh she can barely stand can you can you cut us some slack here and and they were like okay she can sit in the stool but you guys gotta gotta stand because we we charge we charge seats for these stools and so we got to watch most of the show up from the top and it was real uh really cool that's that's where that's where i saw him <laughs> up there like the bar area which i've never been up there but yeah that was that was that was a good show that's not the show i obscure screwed up at it was like the recent one back in joliet again was that with the like, flesh got apocalypse yes that show i watched him screw up and i'm like they are human yeah it's a pretty pretty killer t- and again that's the first time i've seen a fury he's like oh we're in fury and he's like Bleh! I'm not expecting to scream like that. I'm like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. So I was it, impressed. Very impressive. The first time I saw them was at the very infamous uh, Louisville Death Fest that went to shit uh, mm. back in 17. <laughs> um, from what I remember there, the the promoter, a- AJ, he, um, like, uh, he, like, he had done that, that festival multiple years before, uh, for years and years before then but for whatever reason this one became a giant shit show <laughs> um it was two days and it was at this bar um and the, the 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 day one happened and he apparently i think he didn't pay the bar what he was supposed to pay the bar to be able to rent the venue out for for the night mm. and uh they almost canceled the show but so, i i think i think somebody knocked down his door and he gave him the money and they gave it to him to uh like so that way the show can go on and then this and then the next day happened and that was with all the bands like in fairy and artificial brain and the name existence and all the cool arsenary and unique leader bands too and the same thing happened like he hadn't paid the the venue to actually use the space yet so they were going to cancel the show and then it was it was malcolm and his what from inferior and his wife they they ended up saving the show i don't remember I don't remember exactly how they saved it, but uh, what I do remember was uh, after the show was still was resecured, they they opened the show up to be free to the public, and they told them they told everybody to use whatever money that they were going to spend on tickets that day to buy merch from the bands. Because mm-hmm. I because I, I think all the bands got screwed out of their guarantees for that night too, since uh, since old dude like disappeared and and wasn't paying anybody, yeah. and. Um, and it was funny too, because um, I I thought I was going there. I was going into that show with anxiety because I thought that AJ and I was going to get into a fight because because um, that that earlier that week he had announced that he needed a band on a slot on 
on the Friday show and I hit him up and I was like, Hey, um, I want to, uh, I want flesh on this. And, um, and then he hits me back with, um, yeah. So I already have another band that's going to pay me three fifty for the slot. But if you pay me 400, I'll, I'll give you guys a slot instead. And that was already a big red flag in my head. Cause I'm that's just some like, shady shit. Well, <laughs> was, and it was for a two thirty slot on Friday. And I was just oh. like, so you want me to pay 400 bucks to play in front of nobody? right and uh and i explained to him the situation i was like look it's it's gonna be our third show ever uh all the money that we have made as a band so far i'm i was gonna go use and and print t-shirts with and and it's literally and and in this situation it's literally i either go i either get t-shirts for the band or i play the slot so i am going to decline the slot and he got real upset with me over over the louisville death fest uh uh facebook page on the messenger <laughs> and he was like no no you your your band's so big you guys deserve the headline the saturday slot don't even sweat it you got you guys are so big i don't even know why I, i'm 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 even offering this to you guys and i'm just like dude i'm i'm trying to explain my situation here you you like there's no reason for you to be an asshole and then i never heard back from i i didn't hear back from him after <laughs> that and then and then a lot of other crazy shit happened after Louisville Death Fest, and um, and he he started contacting uh, people and bands uh, on from the Louisville Death Fest page, pretending to be somebody else, <laughs> and he was offering everybody like 2018 slots, and we were all like, hell yeah, let's do this, and then and then he started rolling out the flyers for the festival because like at, at this point everyone thought it was a legit thing, and and he had everyone convinced that that uh a aj was a partner to this guy and he booted aj out of the project so now it's a now it's a clean festival but it was just aj pretending to be someone else and he, wow. he posts the first flyer and it's something obscene like doll like images of donald trump uh, <laughs> with like gross things happening to him on the flyer i don't even think i still have the images anymore they're, they're probably lost in history but um <laughs> but as soon as soon as they put like he they started posting those flyers like that everybody started talking with each other that were like on the flyers and i was like this doesn't seem right like it doesn't seem right that this guy has donald trump getting plowed all over the flyers i don't think this is real so so bands were like dropping off left and right so every like every other week he was posting a new flyer of new bands that he had tricked that were actually gonna that were they were thinking they were supposed to be playing a show and it was like more obscene flyers of like presidents getting uh getting the the dirty the dirty larry or the fucking but uh and then he went on live stream at one point and i think there was an article that said that uh he was uh joking the chicken on on live stream which which made him look even worse <laughs> and then um like I, like his he was beating his meat yes like it was very like it was very dark but if you paid close attention to the screen you can tell what was going like, you could see what was going on what the fuck and i think then, i heard uh, something about that wow. i think it's i think it's still on metal sucks you could probably find all the articles there i, I but, feel uh, like you can't trust a person named aj i don't know why i just feel like there's a lot of shady people named that <laughs> and um and i think i posted a flyer uh in the last couple of years, I posted a flyer about the uh, Auditory Carnage Festival that was supposed to be the bit that that was being hosted by my friends Sam and Blake, 
and uh, that was supposed to be the redemption for for the Louisville death metal scene because they they saw they were there at Louisville Death Fest as well. They they experienced all that shit happen. Like a lot of the a lot of the bands that were on that second day that they, they had they knew personally and they were friends with. And uh, unfortunately, the Beast took out the uh, the second the second year of uh, Auditory Carnage Fest. I remember sharing a flyer about it, and then AJ commented on the on the on my post and said. And, and it sucked. No, what it was was um was I posted something about Louisville Death Fest being a shit show, and he commented on my post about Louisville Death Fest and said, "Yeah, and e- even though my show was a shit show, there has never been a lineup like mine on like that ever come to Louisville, and I'm the one that that set all that shit up." And as soon as he commented, everybody just started roasting him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it doesn't matter if you had a, a sick lineup. You almost fucked up the show. And I was like, yeah. And and it sucks because Auditory Carnage still uh, 2 still didn't happen. And Auditory Carnage 2 was going to have Inferi and Wormhole uh, headlining and a bunch of other really cool bands uh, playing it as well. And I was like, look, dude, the only reason why you didn't even get topped is because uh, the Beast took everything out. So, um, so like, and that's what it took to, to fuck you up. So, um like like be humble be humble that nobody's trying to beat your ass still for right. something you did five years ago yeah, fucking beast man hopefully put i would like to say the beast put people in their place but no people are still being shitheads i assume are you the band dad yes like, what's how do you feel about all that i mean do you enjoy that huh. i think it's fine nobody it's not like being a band dad in high school when everybody was uh, was into drink uh, was more into drinking and and partying right. and right. and whatnot and you know and I don't have to take care of drunk band members now like I had to back in high school right like in Billy and the Tall Boys we uh, everybody drinks but nobody gets like sloshed to the point to where they got to get carried off like get carried off stage and driven back home yeah um I usually. Like Michael and I usually make the the really big decisions for the uh for certain things in the band, such as like road trip plans and and uh, keeping tabs on the on the finances and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Cole Cole will uh keep tabs on the finances that we do on tour and keep tabs of the receipts and everything because we and uh so that way we can keep them all together in case of taxes and whatnot. Right. But um, it's uh. I take care of my boys. I, I try to make sure I take care so, of them. Uh, so, but, yeah, yeah, so actually you actually pay taxes on the band stuff? Um it, it's a it's a just in case thing. Um mm. my Michael likes to uh I'm not gonna go into the the finances a lot, but um but uh Michael likes keeping track of, of, of that stuff just in case. Um because we we talked about LLC and Flushboard at one point before, but we don't really make the money like that for it to really matter. Uh, Billy and the Tall Boys, we've actually been uh, we've been trying to figure out what the best route for that has uh, over the last year or so. Because uh, at, at first it was just like at first it was just having fun playing shows, making a, a few extra bucks. Uh, but now like it, it is to the point to where we're we're making too much money to not be an LLC. And uh, and we and we have to uh, eventually get that going so that way we can uh, write things off such as two thousand dollars soundboards and 
and other band expenses that uh that might come around and and whatnot but um I think as like a, I think as like individuals or as business or as a business, if you're making that much uh, random income from cash or checks or whatnot, it has to be uh, like I don't know shit about it. Like, but it seems like that it has to be notated somewhere in in the IRS. But uh, I I also learned that apparently you can uh, like you have to report all the stuff you make by check, but you, but you don't have to report all your tips that you that you made. So we um. So when we, when we get cashed out by check, right now we just take turns cashing the uh, cashing the checks out, because because uh, if one person has to cash out all the che- all the checks that we get from playing shows for a year, that's probably gonna hit them on our income taxes a little bit, because yeah. because it, it looks like they're it looks like they're bringing in twenty more thousand dollars a year than they actually are. Damn. <laughs> so, Ed, are you yeah. ready to start a country cover band? right that's what i'm saying like i can do some fucking sick ass dolly parton covers no i mean there like you, go. you already got a fucking uh cowboy gruff gruff and no gruffness uh, you could be this front man with that cowboy hat you were talking about earlier and oh the, the bud light hat cowboy <laughs> the hat. assless chaps <laughs> nice it's yeah, awesome we're, though we're in the wrong business i tell you but like that's cool that you actually enjoy being the band dad like i kind of am and i fucking hate it because it's like, I just want to write music. I don't want to deal with venues and like fucking promoters. Even like, we're not, what's that? Go ahead. I mean, we're not a bit huge band by any means. I just don't like doing all that other shit. And it's like, and then we got like, and you got to balance out five guys. And it's like, they got lives and then they got jobs. And sometimes they interfere. And it's just like trying to, man, I don't know. See, I just, ugh. <laughs> I think the best thing about uh, for me about being in Billy and the Tall Boys is the fact that I don't have to be the band dad usually. Sure. Like I I don't book the shows. I don't I don't uh, keep track of the finances. I I help with I help with some of the stuff like uh, keeping track of the schedule and uh, building the event pages and everything. But um, I don't have a hand in the uh, in the behind the scenes stuff in Billy and the Tall Boys as much as I do Fleshboard. Mm. And it, and it's honestly refreshing because I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to. I don't have to deal with these bars. I don't like, like I don't like bars to begin with. So it's kind of ironic, right? But, but uh, Dalton, the the singer, he go. He will. He will physically go to the bars and talk to these guys and uh, and get us on the shows and whatnot. You know why? Because his name's Dalton. It's that easy. It's a country name, brother. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice. They don't. They don't want five foot seven Michael from Fleshboard coming in and saying, "Hey, my country band wants twelve hundred, uh, twelve hundred bucks to play here." Or Get out of here, dime bag. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, oh, how about you bring back your Pantera cover band, brother? <laughs> Crying bag. No, I was uh, thinking about like all these festivals. Like, I wonder if like Mayhem Festival will ever come back because I know the Milwaukee Metal Festival is coming back only because Jamie Jost is like funding that and he's just got a lot of money i guess but like it'd be interesting if mayhem festival would come back i mean it's kind of some of it's kind of like cheese but in the way it was always cool to see like that kind of thing and you go outside and get drunk and watch these bands i have a funny story about mayhem festival 2012 (laughs) and shrine bag so the band that shrine bag was in which Michael probably has no idea who this is because it's before his time. <laughs> um, 
the vocalist wanted to beat me up. I don't know if I've actually talked about this on an episode. Basically, I booked a show in Peru, and their band booked Winter Meltdown 5 in Star City, Indiana, which if you know where that's at, it's literally a fucking blink-and-you-missed-it town. Not that Peru's amazing, but it's bigger than fucking 500-foot-long Star City. (laughs) But... One of the bands that were supposed to play that show dropped off because they wanted to come and play on my show because I had a band drop off and I needed someone. They're like, dude, we'll do it. I was like, why don't you play the show you're already booked on? They're like, no, we don't want to play up there anyways because they're from Kokomo. They're like, we're not driving all the way up there. We'll just play in Peru. It's closer. I was like, okay. Hmm. Well, Shrine Bag's band got so butthurt that they dropped off the show that they were talking a bunch of shit. And if you knew the band that played this show for me... They were notorious for running their mouse on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of drama was blowing up, and somehow the Shrine Bag crews started talking shit about my band, which had nothing to do with anything. I just literally needed a band. I don't give a fuck about their drama. I didn't, I wanted to stay out of it. I'm not a drama whore. And they started messaging me and told me to go like hang myself and talking Jeez. a bunch of shit. Christ. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're fucking whack job methods. And then the vocalist messaged me because we were cool. We played a show with them a few times and I didn't have any beef with them. Like the dude literally had a shrine bag. Like he had the dime bag look. He had the dime bag stack. He played on dime time guitars. Like literally he <laughs> thought he Sorry. he thought he, he thought he was dime bag Daryl. So we called him Shrine Bag after this because he made like a fucking shrine to dime. He had like a picture of the dude on his fucking cab. I was like, this is fucking strange. But, I was like that when I was 16. Yeah, this dude was in probably like his 40s. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he... Uh, Boy. Basically, the vocalist messaged me. He's like, oh, I Actually, see before, before you go on, it's not that same... Like, you know how they had that meme? It's not the same person, right? This is just another person? It's a different person. Okay, okay. okay this dude, sorry. he's from Kokomo. Right, but, like, I always think of that that fucking meme that goes around. Yeah. The... Okay, okay, go on. But no, they, uh, the vocalist literally sounded just like Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Okay. And so their band was like a mixture of Pantera with Randy as vocals. Oh, I think I know exactly who the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you all fair. <laughs> and, uh, Anyways, he messaged me. He's like, no, we didn't have any beef with you guys, but now I see how you really are. Even though I don't know what I supposedly had said. And uh, he's like, can't wait to find you on the streets. I was like, okay. (laughs) And then like a month goes by and he just leaves a random ass comment and calls me a goon. I was like, (laughs) I don't remember what it was, but he like chimes in there, calls me a goon. And I was like, wow, dude, that's a fucking insult right there. Mm. And uh, sure got me, brother. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop playing music because I'm a goon, guys. Get your pull, goon, dude. They literally say that all the time. That was actually a running thing. Like, if you'd read those comments, I see them in my memories, and like other people were like <laughs> commenting on there, get your pull, brother. <laughs> it cracked me up. They didn't yeah. know like how many people were actually making fun of them half the time, and somehow they ended up winning the opening slot to mayhem festival so i actually went to that mayhem festival and i watched them play and i stood as close as i could to see if he would actually come down and say something to me and he never fucking did 
you look like everybody. That's why. <laughs> Can't wait to see you on the streets, brother. Well, you just saw me at your fucking show, brother. Wait, where wait, you wait, what? what uh, who was all on that one, by the way? That may have. I feel like I, I went to that one. Slipknot headline. I remember yep, that Slipknot headlined it. Mm, and no, uh, no, I didn't go to that one. Slipknot headlined. I saw Whitechapel on the second stage. Oh, that was nuts. And then I think As I Like Dying was actually on main stage that year. Okay, I didn't go to that one. Because that was, I think the that, next year was like Amon and Mark on the main stage. Was Slayer on there? Yes. Because uh, I, I remember specifically all my all my friends and I were like, let's go jump in the Slayer pit. And then we, lo- we looked over in the lawn and saw like people getting chucked. And we're like, yeah, let's not go there. Yeah. Do you remember the little tiny stage like when you first walked in? That's where third level played. Um, I won't. That's the closest name dropping on as I'm going to. Yep, you just you just rang the bell on my ear. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's where they played. Like literally, right when you first walked in, they made a huge deal about playing this huge festival on the stage, like a little tiny thing. Like when you first walked in, so yeah, people saw you, but they weren't watching you. They walked right past you, went to right. the other stage. I feel like that's the. I feel like that's the stage of shame. If you get that, I mean, you might as well put fucking monkeys. Doing like circus shit. I don't know how they yeah. fucking won, to be honest. But they always had a they well, had like a legion of about twenty to thirty meth heads that would show up to their shows. It felt like half the time. Well, and not to interrupt, but like when Five Finger played, like there was a shitload of people that liked them, and I was actually like embarrassed to be from Indiana. So it doesn't surprise me that a band like that had popularity anyway. they would definitely fit in with that crowd because that was a type of music that's that seemed that they'd play too right like good i was just gonna say that their fan base was not anything that i really wanted to have a fan base with i just felt like most of them were going to be like <laughs> abusive if that makes sense they just look like someone was going to come out there like <laughs> abuse drugs and abuse their girlfriends I um, it's funny that you say that too, because the band that won the the battle of the bands that I participated in, I think we caught like the tail end of their set when we got into Mayhem Fest that year, and like everybody was kind of like, pl- and everyone was either bored or pl- or like play moshing, like they weren't being like serious with it, and, and then the sound was just so lackluster, and I was kind of just like these guys won. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever had. I think the only real scene beef that I had um, where I actually thought someone was going to try to fight me was it was an ex singer uh, from a really popular band around here. Um, I'll tell, I'll tell you the name off the, I'll tell you, I'll give you the real name and and the band off, off air. But um, Mm -hmm. he, uh, the main thing was uh, he was trying to, uh, to bone my, or my drummer's ex-wife at the time. And uh, for whatever reason, he thought that the way to do that was to try to break his band, uh, break the band that he was in up. So he shot me a message one day. I'm I'm like rolling in the work and he's like, you need to kick your drummer out of the band because he's getting into some shit with the with his ex-wife and and, and their kid. And it's going to make you guys it's going to make you guys look really bad and your reputation's going to going to be fucked up. And I'm like, dude, don't talk to me about this. Let them handle it in court. The fact that you're even contacting me right now is fucking stupid, right? And uh, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you're right. It should it should be just between uh, them two. And I'm like, "Right. So why are you messaging me?" And uh, and I and I thought that that was the end of it. And then uh, 
some some other fucked up shit happened in between um in between my drummer and his and his ex-wife and um and i made a facebook status that was kind of uh vague about something completely different like the mm-hmm. next day and he sends me a message and he's and he uh not even paraphrasing he's like dude i have i am trying to hold withhold every bone in my body to not bust your ass out uh in front of the entire music scene and i was like <laughs> whoa get your pole brother yeah i was like get your pole brother but yeah, I was like, yo, I, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You need to uh, step off with how you're talking with me because that's not going to look good for you. And then he was like, he's like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? I was like, you're not going to threaten me physically over Facebook and get away with it. And he's like, I'm not phys- I'm not threatening you physically. I was threatening to expose you on Facebook. And I was like, dude, you're 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 seven years older than me. We're not we're not 15 in high school. If if you're going to tell me that you're going to expose me on Facebook. Just tell me you're going to expose me on Facebook because the way that I read that, and I've already sent this message to all my, to, to the band too, like they, they're all taking it as you're threatening me physically. So if you're, so if you weren't meaning to threaten me physically, you, you shouldn't have worded it the way you did. And, and he eventually backpedaled and he was trying to tell me how, how the night or how that one situation with uh, my drummer and his ex-wife happened and i was like no that's not what happened this is what happened and i know i know that's what happened because i was there <laughs> and then um and then for a whole week he would he would message me and be like you need to tell your drummer to get off my ass and i'm like dude that you you got yourself into this fight you you shouldn't be telling me to tell him to back off and ev- and eventually it died down um and eventually it died down after i told him or i was like I was like, you keep telling me that this is supposed to be in between uh, my drummer and, and his ex-wife, but you guys keep pulling me back into it. And, and I'm trying really hard to stay out of it because it's not my place. It's not my mm-hmm. kid. It's not it's not my relationship. You just leave me out of it. And then and and he, he leaves me alone for two months. And then they they post a, a Facebook relationship status that that pre that predates before he started harassing me on Facebook. So we so that was when we all connected the dots that he was trying to uh, the that he was just doing all that as a ruse to get into and in, to get into the chick's pants. And it blew up on Facebook for a bit. And then he came he messaged me again and was like, for the last time, I was not threatening you physically. You need to stop saying that. And I was like. I was just like, you need to stop messaging me because I didn't, I did nothing in this, and uh, and on Facebook he was like he was showing he was showing people on Facebook from the scene screenshots of what he said to me, and everyone was like, yeah, you can you you got to understand that that anybody that you that you send that exact message to, they're they're gonna depict that as a physical threat, and uh, so so uh, yeah, you need to be a, you need to choose your words better, especially. For being a thirty-something-year-old man, who was this dude? Was he in another band or just someone? He was in a. He was in another band. He was in another band. Uh, he's in another band now, but he used to be in a in a band that that blew up from the scene. I'm not like I said. I'm not going to say it on the air, but uh, Mm -hmm. they they blew up after they fired him, uh, for for a DUI and Carmel. Funny enough, and um, but uh, I. I we kind of deduced that he was he was trying to be a gatekeeper and trying to uh 
put a place in this uh put a foothold and uh with the community and tell me that I was going to be uh exiled and disrespected and uh and uh my reputation was going to be in the trash uh mm-hmm. over all this and I was just like dude you're that this is fucking stupid <laughs> sounds like it wow hmm. I'll probably bring this up on a another episode because one of the guys we're about to interview took over for someone that used to book a lot of the big, big shows in Indianapolis. And I don't know how dark he'll go onto the details of it, but there's, I can't think of what the company or what it was called before it became strange attractions. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, Dahlia. Yeah. That's a story that I would like to not so much name drop the person or anything about it, but I I would like to know more detail. I only heard bits and pieces and I don't no one so far wants to talk about it. I don't know if the guy we're gonna talk to next week will want to talk about it or not, but it seems to be the a trend that I've noticed lately. I don't know if it's this whole uh me too thing the last few years or whatever, but it seems like all these bands lately and promoters because one of your the billies that you're referring to if it's the same one i'm thinking of actually got accused of the same thing not long ago Mm -hmm. but i think i remember that actually yeah i I heard he was a chomo or at least he liked to hit on the girls at the all-age shows when dude's like in his 40s but (laughs) whatever I remember that happened to a guy that uh or somebody that was kind of harassing me on Facebook another time too and he was and uh he he never actually sang in any real bands around here it was always uh uh the the big trend I see with local bands and I I was a little bit uh of of this myself in my very first band years and years ago but uh like bands that uh they 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 get together they have a couple practices and then they they come up with their band name and then they make a Facebook page and they have a logo and then they're like, Oh yeah, big things coming soon. And then, uh, (laughs) the next next post is, uh, 50 likes and we'll post a, uh, we'll post a raw audio footage of the, of the drums that are going on the EP. And then, uh, Oh, next 50 likes we're going to have, uh, we're going to post up a t-shirt design we have, but there's no music involved in it whatsoever. But, um, (laughs) but he was out, he, he got outed, because it all all these girls eventually came out after my friend did after seeing him harassing me on Facebook and uh he, he was like touching teenage girls at the Emerson for for years Yikes. and uh and one of the and some of the screenshots he was trying to tell like a a 15 year old girl to like borrow her parents car to to go to go hang out with them and um oh <laughs> and I think and I think there was uh there was a lot of controversy behind behind some of it too, because some people were mentioning the fact that he wasn't uh, completely on the spectrum. But but the other thing that kind of deduces that is the fact that he had children, and which meant that people had found him with enough cognitive, uh, like they 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 saw him with enough headspace to want to breed with them. So yeah. the say, so, and I'm I'm. Pro- and I think I'm probably on the spectrum as well, and I think a lot of other people are too. But 
I that something like that you I don't think you could really use. Um, I I wouldn't be able to say, oh, I'm I'm on the spectrum as an excuse to get away from something like that, because because at the end of the day, you kind of do know what you're what you're doing, and especially if especially if somebody was willing to mate to to breed with you and have kids with you, like you you obviously have enough cognitive reson resonance in your brain to know to discern right from wrong especially in that yeah people know what they're doing i understand some they're going to try and use that as an excuse to get away with shit there was a guy that i went to school with that had tourettes and he used to push it really really hard and you could tell when he was faking it like just saying shit or doing stuff like because everyone would laugh about it, so he'd fake the stuff, and I it's always made me wonder, like people that actually have it, like something like that, or if they have like other disability or whatever, how many of them actually push it a little bit harder just so they can try and get away with shit? There's a there's been a big thing on TikTok over the last couple of years where uh, people will fake Tourette's or other or other um, mental problems like that that uh and and they push it for views uh they they say they're they're do they're faking it for the sake of uh of of awareness but at the same time they're also monetizing the the videos and making money off of them and they're also faking a disease of course so it uh so it makes them look even even worse so then it comes into why why do you feel like you have to uh fake this condition in order to spread awareness of it because uh, it, it hurts the people that actually do have the condition too because not only are they not not the one because they're not showing it off on on a camera they're they're trying to fucking they're trying to survive every day with, with stuff like that sometimes and then and then you see somebody some 20 year old something person on on tiktok just pretending that they, like in this case like i i don't remember the the girl but she she was pretending to have tourettes on her on on tiktok and and it eventually came out that uh, that she was faking it, but she said she was faking it for awareness. <laughs> I remember hearing something about that. We live in an age where influencers and social media has become a fucking disease. I never would have thought <laughs> like 15 years ago this is what the reality would become. You ever see those videos on, on YouTube where it's a guy that's like, I'm going to give this young, this little girl an iPhone 14. And, and it and you show you see it from his perspective where he's handing this girl a, a brand new phone and uh and her, she and her mom are all excited because because they got this new phone and then there's uh and then in another video in the behind the scenes from the mom's perspective the the influencer and the camera guy are trying to get the phone back from him because because the thing was a hoax the entire time for for uh for in instagram and facebook clout and and the mom's just like, no, you you gave you went on camera and said you're giving my child a phone, so this is now hers, and uh, and and that's like a common thing with influencers as well. Um, I also I still remember the big one from a few years ago where that couple and that uh homeless guy they they faked that GoFundMe thing. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, I think I think the couple went to jail. I don't know if the homeless guy did or not. That would have kind of sucked if he did too, but. <laughs> But, uh, he didn't really even know what the fuck they were doing i don't think i think they they ended up it was found out later on that he did and initially 
at, excuse me, I just burped. At, at first, mm-hmm. it, it looked like that uh, that he get that the story was he he gave them their last their last twenty bucks so that way they can get gas to get home, and then they and then they raised those funds on GoFundMe to uh, to give them the money, and um, and then it came out that he didn't receive most of that money. Uh, because they they gave him they cut him a check for whatever they told him they were going to give him and then they pocketed the rest of it for like their vacations or something like that mm-hmm. i think it was like what three hundred thousand bucks or something and then uh and then it came out later on that they were all in on it together because they knew that if they um if they posted a go fund or they figured if they posted a go fund me it uh with the intention of helping out a homeless person that it would get a lot of get a lot of traction a lot of donations i don't think they were expecting anywhere near as much as what they actually made uh which is why it was a which was another reason why it was a big problem but um it's just insane that what people will do for uh social media clout and and money nowadays everyone has sold whatever little soul they had left right I, i would as messed up as it is i would think like the beast would have wiped out like some evildoers, but I guess not. <laughs> I, it actually encouraged them to thrive more because it, they had nothing better to do. So they figured out ways to make money because they couldn't go to work. The yeah. rise, the rise of OnlyFans, the rise of uh, influencers, and everything else almost came from the beast. So the beast is still spreading its disease. It's just a different type. Damn it. I still had to go to work at Disc Replay at that point, too, which was really funny. And I, uh, I remember, um, I remember like the first or the the two weeks before uh, before the beast really hit, and we were told to uh, our our new our thing was uh, in order to kind of keep the the beast from spreading as much as it could, we would close the store down for thir- thirty minutes, no mind you, in between four and four thirty to do a, a a shift switch between the morning and closing crew, and also desanitize everything. And people like people would pound on the doors and call like melting down because we were closed when they got there. And and we had a sign up too and it said and it was in big bold letters, we will be open open back up at four thirty. But people weren't reading the signs at all. They would um it'd be like, Why does this sign say that you're closed at four? Like nobody gets off until after four. And I'm just like, read 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 one more sentence after the after the the four thirty four o'clock part and tell me what you read and then they then they realize that they were just being an asshole like sometimes they realize they're just being an asshole and sometimes they just be like oh well it's your fault that i i didn't read that like yeah. one person called at 4 28 right before like right as i'm walking to unlock the 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 doors and the gates for closing and they're and they're melting down uh over the phone and i'm just like dude we're going to be open in two minutes can you just hang tight you're gonna be in here for thirty minutes anyway. No, how I want to need to know how many Julia Robert movies you have in stock. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, that was that was a fucking time. I bet it was. Just I mean, like God bless you, yourself, and anybody who had to do like food service or any kind of service. Like, like I, you know, I know things are still tough with like food service and everything. But I don't try to lose my shit still. Like, I wait in line for like 10 minutes. So what? This is what it is now. It's like, it's my fault for going out to eat. I could have made something at home. But I have yet to ever really get mean to anybody 
in the service industry at all. I mean, God bless those people putting up with assholes then and now. So it's like, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> even if there's like a situation though, like even if it wasn't had had anything to do with the beast, even if it was just like a short staff or like a temporary closing or something, right? Or like if, if I see a sign on a door. And, and the door's not opening, I, I'm going to read the whole sign first so I can actually get an understanding as to what's going on versus read it, versus not reading the sign and calling the store or calling the restaurant angry or uh, not reading the, or only reading the, the first few sentences and then, uh, and then just, and then seeing only red after that and then feeling like you got to take it out. And it was crazy too as well because before, because in that time frame as well, when when parents were coming in, like we, I think it was like record sales for systems and games and whatnot. And the a really common uh, statement that I was getting from a lot of parents was, uh, I I don't I am buying these systems and games for my kids because I do not want to be raising them uh, for two weeks, uh, two weeks in my house. I I can't two. stand them. And now oh and that God. was a common thing that a lot of people were saying. And I was just like, how do you how do you create life like? Like I get kids can be a handful, but how do you create a life and then or create life like that and then and then turn around and say, I can't stand being around them for that long. <laughs> My like, kids well, got dismissed from school and they never went back to school the rest of the year up until like August. So they were out from what was it, the beginning of March. We played a show at Black Circle, I think the night before the lockdown. Was that uh with uh, Beneath the Massacre? Yeah, it was. I went to that. That was that the last. Was... That was our last show ever. Well, that was that was that. So I I like that whole night. You guys uh did good too. Me um. That I was remember... the show where it all fell apart for us. That's when they decided they didn't want the drummer anymore. It's your fault. Was that because his drum stink? No, that, that was a different guy. Oh, so it's because he stunk then. He was actually, I actually had no problem with the dude. Like, he just wasn't the traditional fast death metal, technical death metal drummer that they thought we needed to have. We played with those bands, and I think they were embarrassed that he wasn't up to snuff. Well, the uh, the band that played after you guys, they, they only come out like every every three or four years when there's a big show coming around. And uh, and from what I remember, they, they haven't released an actual uh, album since before 2007. And uh, they and they, they had been working on the same album since I joined the scene in 2011, 2012. And uh, and it's and it's just never it, it's never been released. It's never <laughs> been like updated to be done or anything. I would <laughs> I would see the studio like the studio updates and it would sound sick. And I think they released like two demo songs. Uh, like in 2014 or something like that, but uh, but it, it's crazy because they all play in other bands too. So they yeah. so they're they're obviously still playing music, but the but vocalist that 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 show I think it was the same vocalist who used to be in another band that one of my old bands used to play with a lot back like 2010, I think 09, 2010, somewhere around there. That guy uh, has seen his way around a lot of bands from between here and Ohio, from what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been pushing over two and a half hours. It's the longest episode we've recorded. I am proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a good time. I didn't realize it's been this long. I probably got more stories too. If you guys ever need a part two of the of this uh, harrowing uh, Hulu series, Disney <laughs> Plus series. 
sure. We're always uh gonna be needing something. But we definitely uh we'll have you back because we're gonna do a round table. I keep talking about it, but we've never fucking scheduled it. I think Corey <laughs> a couple other people sorry, I just pictured the round table and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, this will be the actual one we'll all use video on it. Right, but sorry. <laughs> Everyone will see each other's face. Right. <laughs> and then you're just gonna see me like zone off and look at my phone for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we don't ever use the camera, and I don't care if it's on the air at this point, it we're probably like thirty episodes deep now. <laughs> I don't use the camera because half the time I might be doing something, responding to an email, something else. It doesn't seem like I'm paying a whole lot of attention. And then half the time on my other podcast, it's all the crazy stories and bullshit that people were telling me. They think they're being possessed by demons or <laughs> being abducted by aliens. <laughs> so we just don't ever use, we just didn't ever use the damn camera for it. Oh, so boy. I haven't been doing that podcast anymore. So it's okay to release that secret that uh I oh, listen. It is what it is. I mean, it's not that I don't believe them because I believe that they believe what they're telling me, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to believe it, though. I've never been abducted by aliens, and I've never seen a Bigfoot. Doesn't mean it's not real, I guess. I've seen ships or orb things, and that was a hand to God because there was like a thing about it she watched, and I'm like, I've seen those things. So, anyway. That's <laughs> I've seen that thing in the road that looked like a... I don't really know what the fuck it was. I've explained it before on a someone else's podcast. Looks like, like roadkill. <laughs> no, it was this big fucking. The guy in front of me swerved to miss it. And I was like, "What is this drunk motherfucker doing?" And I got up on it, and it looked like one of those, you know, like the car dealers, those wind blowers. They like dance around or whatever. You like oh, see the those wacky inflatable two arm waving two mans from Family yeah, Guy. That's how it was kind of like traipsing down the road, but it didn't have arms. It looked like a big tall person wrapped in like a big blanket or a cloak and they were like hunched over so i thought it was a drunk person because i could just see legs and then i swerved to miss it and i seen legs but i never seen a head and then i got up to the guy that swerved to miss it in front of me because we just gotten off work and it was in the middle of the night it was like 5 a.m and he pulls over and it's actually only a couple miles from where i live right now but he pulls in to this parking lot he's freaking out saying it what was it? It didn't have a head. I was like, dude, I don't know. I was like, I hit my brakes and I could see legs walking by and it was taller than the vehicle I was in. So hunched over, it was at least six and a half foot tall. And then we went back and there's this big black dog laying on the road. And I'm not going to tell the whole details of the story, but basically that I got out to go look at the dog. The dog's eyes glue at me because they're glowed, not glue. And because the headlights were shining on it. Well, it tried to stand up on its back legs and it fell over and then it like hobbled off on its back legs into the woods and we never seen it again. And then there was this random ass mouse just sitting on the side of the road and I nudged it with my foot and it was just kept cleaning itself. I was like, the fucking mouse is what creeps me out the most. It wasn't even scared. Oh man, I'm manifesting that uh that dog scenario on my head and I'm kind of just like, because that, that's the kind of shit I'm into as well. I'm just thinking about seeing that. <laughs> like, I, I, I've gotten close to to deer before in like Twilight at the park, and that and that shit scary. That's like the scariest shit I've seen out in out in the wild. But that, like, like seeing a dog just get back up on its hind legs and just trotting off into the woods. God, I would, I probably wouldn't sleep for the rest of the week. 
I went to work the next night and I tried to get the dude to talk about it. And he told me if I ever brought it up, he's just going to fucking deny it because he wasn't going to think what people thinking we were crazy. I was like, okay, that happened in like 07. So I never really brought it up just because it's a ridiculous story. Like if I went into full detail about it, people would just think I was on fucking drugs or something. But I was like, no, like this shit really happened. I swear on everything. Like this is legitimately what happened and I can't explain it. Yeah, it's literally, I live on a hundred. It was on 200 and it's just like mile up and like two miles over to like three miles from where I live now. So that motherfucker still traipses in the woods out by my house, I guess. I uh I go up to Peru quite a bit because my uh, my girlfriend her uh, her parents live up there. So I I will if I ever see that I will I will call you and confirm you to you. <laughs> if you see a black wolf looking dog walking on two legs, just run the motherfucker over. I'll, then I'll call you and we'll meet up for a fucking beer, and then we'll I'm just gonna be like, dude, <laughs> go to the circus while you're at it. Yeah. Go to the go to the fucking circus. Maybe it was a circus trained dog, and that's why I was walking maybe, on its hind legs. Maybe this animal escaped. You know, whatever the, only... whatever the dog was was not what I saw walking down the road, because what I saw walking down the road was a lot bigger. Whatever I had to swerve to miss wasn't the dog. When we came back, unless whatever was walking in the road morphed into the dog, <laughs> maybe we seen a a werewolf and. That's why I kind of joked around about it. Like, maybe it was a werewolf, and we're seeing him in his shape shifting. That's why he didn't have a head at the time. I uh, the the funny thing about Peru in particular is that um, from, like from what Tana has told me is like sometimes when we go up there to go see your parents, they uh the trains fucking stopped in the middle of the train tracks, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's like, yeah, apparently there's an ordinance that lets trains just stop in Peru for as long as they want, and I'm and I was sitting there i'm like well that just sounds very inconvenient for anybody that lives here yeah i used to live right down by the depot and she's not wrong literally those motherfuckers would sit on the tracks for hours it's like we go right by the school we turn we turn left on one of the uh, by mr weenie and that's where her parents live for the most part i want to go to that mr weenie just to see what it's like (laughs) they have like oh they have a shirts that say it's mr weenie time and i (laughs) It's got the big hot dog on the front of it. I need one of those. I've always wanted to have one too. They also sell boxers that say the same thing with the little weenies all over them. I was like, this is fucking amazing marketing skills. I am going to uh, snapshot that this part of the uh, of the podcast episodes so I can remember it. So the next time I come up to Peru, I I can buy a few of those t-shirts for my wardrobe because I, I I need those now. It's Mr. Weenie time. That's better than going to a Bucky's, dude. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're not too far from me. I literally just live right off the highway. So when you come up this way, you're in my neck of the woods. I'll give you a call sometime if you want to get a beer at some point. Arm wrestle. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll lose. I am the worst arm wrestler on the planet. <laughs> I'm sure can... at this rate, I'm not very strong anymore. I can I can lift su- I can lift eighty pounds subs for like for a show all weekend, but I'll lose I'll lose an arm wrestling contest every right. time. <laughs> right on. Me doing what? the arm motions, knowing that no one's going to see it because we're not on film. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it's always fun up here in the clown town. <laughs> Do you got a? Usually at the end of the episodes, we release a song or play a song from 
the band. So I didn't know if you had something you wanted to put on here, unless you want to wait for something new, because this episode probably won't air for a while. Uh, they can they can listen to Revivified off of Ember's Gathering because that's my personal favorite song off the album. Okay, if you and, want to send me that in a MP3 or a wave, then I can just add it to the end of this episode. Absolutely. You want to tell everyone where they can check you guys out at? You can listen to Flesh Pour on all the so on all the uh, streaming platforms: uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Title. If for some reason you pay for Title, um, Google Play. If you also for some reason pay for Google Play, you do you man. Um, you, <laughs> YouTube. If you buy YouTube Music, um, um, Band Bandcamp under the um, the Philadelphia Hardcore tags. Um, but a new new album will be out eventually. That's all I can really say right now, because that because that's all the information I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, that makes sense. Well, Ed, you got anything else? I do not. I'm a I. I will go later. to bed. <laughs> no, I mean later when he comes back, I'll probably have more questions. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely have you back out. It's been fun talking with you. But. I think we're going to wrap this one up. So anyone out there still listening, we appreciate you sticking around for almost three hours. And if you ever see a seven foot tall black German shepherd walking down the road, run Run the fuck over. Yes. Don't ask questions. Just fucking hit and go. If it stands back up, back over it. (laughs) I will personally pay for your car damages. (laughs) Actually, no, cut that out, cut that out, cut that out, cut that out. <laughs> There's no editing on this podcast, you're fucked. But, um... <laughs> All right, well... I send up. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, guys. Thanks for checking it out. If you want to be on an episode, send an email to Brandon at DarkSideOfTheScene.com. If you've ever had any weird paranormal experiences, you can still email me if you'd want to. Um, <laughs> I still need episodes for my other podcasts, so... I'll probably edit all this out, but most likely not because I'm lazy. So, all right, guys, take it easy. Get your pool. Yeah. Get your pool. Get your pool, brother. <laughs>